My name is Matt Brown. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Rachel Harris has it. And let's start the show. Push. How many quarterbacks do you think can do that? That's not an arm, that's a gun. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. We have quite a special show for you in the Productive Conversations podcast world today. We have NFL coverage to get through. We have to talk about week 16 in the NFL. Two more weeks to go, and things are getting hot and heavy, and it's going to be a hell of a time to finish out the regular season in the National Football League. But before we get into this crucial crucial podcast review the week before and look into the the second to last week ahead the prenuptialist week of the nfl i just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the productive conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and youtube and don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on productive conversations podcast.com and don't forget to check us out in the world of social media we're on instagram at productive conversations podcast twitter at prod combo pod we're on tiktok at productive conversations thank you to dolo ren for making that content for us and making everything better in this, the world of the Productive Conversations podcast, the Productive Nation. So two more shows and that's it. 2022 will come to a close. We finish the year off with this, the Productive NFL show as we review week 16 and look ahead to week 17. And I know we are posting on Thursday instead of Wednesday. That is because we simply had a family obligation to take care of in my life and everything's all good. And I just had to attend to that. But we're dropping the show today for that reason. And what is the show that we're going to end the year off with? Well, it's none other than the Timeline Podcast, 2022 edition. We started it last year, inspired by Weird History's Timeline series. We are going to look at the year in review, go through the calendar year, start from January all the way to December to discuss and reflect on the biggest stories in news, sports, entertainment, and culture. It was my favorite show last year. I'm sure it's going to be my favorite show this year. And yeah, we're just going to reflect on the heck of the year it was. And it's going to be a great damn time. Mark my words. So the Timeline Podcast drops tomorrow, and that will round out all our productive conversations for 2022. And you know we're coming in harder. We're coming in better. We are going to make impacts and strides in 2023. And we're going to bring you great content every single week next year the year after that and beyond in the future so nfl show today timeline podcast tomorrow and that's what we will focus on from here on out as we close 2022 so to focus on this podcast now time to look back on week 16 and look ahead to week 17 that featured pretty pretty good holiday games 
starts off on Thursday night where Zach Wilson ends his Jet career and embarrasses himself. And Trevor Lawrence just enhances his own career as he really is making some strides in his sophomore season. The Saturday games were fine. You know, we did see some divisions get wrapped up. We saw some teams clinch playoff berths. And, uh, you know, it was pretty interesting from there. Then Christmas Day came along. We had three games, you know, one really good game, one major blowout that cost a coach's job, and then one somewhat nail-biter, but also a snooze fest in the Christmas evening game. And then we saw what happened on Monday with the Chargers and the Colts, where the Chargers somehow, some way, clinched the playoff spot themselves, and the Colts just continued to embarrass themselves. But yeah, this, that, and more as we talk about Week 16 in the NFL. So let's just get into it right here, right now. Let's talk about Week 16 in the NFL season, and let's then look ahead to Week 17, and let's make everything a real ride as it usually is. So let's get to it, guys. Alex Young... Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, you guys are on today for the Productive Conversations NFL show. My crew, my guys, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get to it. Brian, Alex, and Desmond, it's your guys' turn once again. Let's talk about Week 16. Let's look ahead to Week 17. It's going to be a great time. Here we go. And by the way, this is going to be another podcast that I recorded off this desktop I'm borrowing, so I don't have my library. So you know what it is. Let's get to the show right here, right now. Shoop. Week 16 of the NFL through our holiday weekend. And there was pretty good games, you know. We had some divisions get decided. We had some playoff first get more interesting. We had some whimpers. But all in all, very interesting football. And two more weeks to go. We will look ahead to the prenuptials of the NFL this year, week 17. But let's talk about week 16 with the homies. Alex Young is here, Brian McKeon, and Desmond Price. Alex Renelli is sick. We'll see him next week. What's up, gentlemen? Not much, not much. How are you? How are we doing, everyone? Good. Good to be back. Big times ahead. So let's get to it, guys. Things first. We're going to start it off. NFC East divisional matchup where the Cowboys and the Eagles played a pretty good game. Oh, right off the bat. Okay. To, <laughs> right off right. the bat with the Eagles fan and the Cowboys fan in the room. So Gardner Minshew comes in pretty, pretty well. Good enough. Uh, it was a high-scoring game throughout, but ultimately Dallas takes the victory. They secure a playoff spot as well, and now things just get a little more interesting with two weeks to go. But looking towards this game with a Jalen Hurtsless Eagles, I'll talk with you first, Desmond. I'll give it to you. So you're the fan of the other team on the other end of this. How do you feel about your team playing? Do you feel that without the starting quarterback, they were able to hold their own and you still have some confidence in this team moving forward in the final two weeks of the season. Um, I was both encouraged and discouraged at the same time for multiple reasons. I'll try not to like take like a million years with this. Cause I could probably rant about it, but you know, it's um, if you told me at the beginning of the game that 
Gardner Minshew was going to come in and our offense was going to put up 34 points, would you would you be okay with that? And my answer would be yes, a million times yes. Gardner Minshew, after not playing a down all year, can come in and lead my team to score 34 points on the road against one of the best teams in the NFL. You take that every single time. I had no idea that our defense was going to be laughable and just get absolutely trounced on, you know, giving up 40 points to Dallas. I mean, this was the same playbook that I saw with the commanders, only a little bit different variation. Instead of like, because to their credit, Eagles got ran on for weeks on end. They addressed that between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. They gave up like a combined like 75 rushing yards. That was a great stat to see. But they just got shredded in the passing game. Our number one pass defense got shredded. We were playing this garbage zone defense that Dak was tearing up. He went like, what, 15, 15, 19 of 19, something like that against zone coverage. And there was Mm -hmm. just no adjustments. There was no adjustments. And so I'm looking at the defensive coordinator this week. You know, you can't give up 40 points to any team especially if you're trying to go to a Super Bowl. So yeah, people can point to Minshew, like having some turnovers, having four turnovers, so on and so forth. But man, if you have four turnovers and you still score 34 points, like I'm clapping as far as I'm concerned. Like that's amazing. You, you can't give up 40 points and expect a team, expect to beat any team. And you shouldn't have to ask your offense to score 40 to win a fucking game. So as far as I'm concerned, good on the offense. Defense needs to wake the hell up if we're going to win a title this year. And I am pretty sad that Lane Johnson went out. I hope that he's able to come back for the playoffs because I think that he is our best offensive lineman and I see our offense taking a hit without him. Okay. Okay. You don't want to know one thing. Maybe you agree or disagree. I think it's good. The the word I'm looking for, um, an omen, the juju of the NFL, because we know teams who historically NFL have their regular season is only with only one loss, with the exception of the 85 Bears, have major, major collapses. 98 Vikings, um, the 15, the 15 um, Panthers as examples. I just think for a juju sense, it's good to take this loss because the football gods might uh, make it ugly for you. Whether you agree with that or not, um, I just think it's just good in that sense. You know, I don't really think about that kind of stuff too much because everything's a curse until it isn't. You know, like everything's like a stat until it isn't, you know, I, I just, I think about like how our teams match up against the other good teams in the NFL. And I like, I mean, we lost the Cowboys, but I think it was like, it was anyone's game down at the end. There was a one possession game. Like I thought it would be, I think we could hang with San Francisco. I think we could hang with Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas city. You know, I think, you know, but if we're going to win those games, we got to have a better defensive showing. Fair enough. Now for the Cowboys fan who also hates the Cowboys and Brian, <laughs> How do you feel about your team's outing on Christmas Eve? So I would say this is probably one of my favorite uh, football games I've ever watched in my life, to be honest with you. Uh, Christmas Eve around my my entire family, me, my dad, and my uh, brothers all around, just huddled around the TV, cursing out Dak Prescott, high-fiving because of Dak Prescott, hating Ezekiel Elliott because he can't get more than three yards, pulling off like a 20-yard run at one point. It was such an up-and-down moment. Um, I'm going to get into the Eagles quick. I agree completely with everything Desmond said. I would say this, Gardner Minshew, in my eyes, uh, proved to me that he's a qualified starter in the NFL in just that one game alone because those two interceptions, if, you wa- if you're watching the game, weren't his fault. Um, Deron Bland ripped out two of them 
right yeah. out of one was a one was overthrown uh the other one was ripped right out of the receiver's hands you can't do anything about that it happened so he played a great game um when it comes to philadelphia i think they got exposed in the past because they have been keying up so much on the run which that leads to a weak zone defense pulling another db into the box to stop the run so i think their limitations in the run game have now forced them to play a defense that allows them to be more balanced but also sometimes give up huge chunk plays um, in the past game because they're playing for the run now. Uh, So with Dallas, uh, Dak Prescott, he had a good game after that pick six. He responded well to adversity. (laughs) Um, That pick six was horrendous. Um, He's a constant turnover machine now um, this season. It's almost like he wants to prove it to us that he could – um, has have comeback <laughs> victories. That's why he throws picks now. Um, you know, let's get, go behind just so I could show that I'm worth my contract. Um, he needs to stop with these turnovers now because eventually, it, you know, the buck will end there and we're going to lose the game. Uh, run game got stuffed. I expected that just because of um, the response, you know, um, to Philadelphia in trying to stop the run the last past weeks. But I was amazed at the passing game, really. Kellen Moore, even though he's night and day every, um, other week, um, calling a good game, not calling a good game. Uh, Kellamore called a good game this week in the passing game for Dallas. CD Lamb went off with a buck 20 and two touchdowns. Um, welcome back, T.Y. Hilton, with that 52 yard catch. I am I 30 and on three and 32. Can, can yeah, we just, start, can I just kind of pause well. you for one second there? Yeah, third and 31. Yeah. What the fuck did you think was about to happen? I I can't I get over that. Like, you're a safety, your job is to make sure no one gets behind you, yeah. and somehow that yeah. mother. Come on. He was running, he was running. How does that happen? He was running cover two man. Cornerback has a certain amount of that, of that's that, you know, of he has man coverage on him. And then he got beat. Also, T.Y. Hilton is one of the fastest receivers in the league when he was in his prime. And, you know, when someone plays flat footed in your face, lined up at you, and you just have to make one move and do a straight go route, it's very easy to get past them if you get them off their track a little bit. That's why playing flat foot as a DB is a very poor technique. Um, you know, you could ask people in college, a lot of people in college do it on goal lines. They play flat footed, then the receiver cuts a certain way and they're stuck. It's almost got goalie on a penalty shot. It's not a really the best, it's not a winning position in football. Um, some people disagree with me. I have that opinion. Multiple people do, you know, let's see the comments for that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Dallas, Dallas pulled this win out. It shows me that we could beat them. I think with Jalen Hurts, I think we could have still beat them. I think um, I think the outcome would have been the same. I'm excited to see them in the divisional round after we uh, if we make it past the uh, the Buccaneers. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of growing points here. The defense though, it can't give up 34 points. It just comes down to the fact that they're playing uh, the the back secondary is beat up with injuries. Like you let a hundred yards between Smith and Brown, like it can't happen. Uh, but uh, we have room to grow and we can win with a bad defense now. So that's good to know. All right. All right. Effort to win with that bad defense though. Yeah. yeah definitely needed effort. That, that's the same thing I'm saying though. Like you, you shouldn't need that to win every game. Like this is the end. We're not playing big 12 football, bro. Like this is, this is the NFL. Like, <laughs> like you can't be giving up 40, 34, 40 points. Like, both defenses got embarrassed. I mean, I hope I, that they're. I, I hope they're like doing their homework this week. I agree, but if you really think about it, like we're two, we're the first and second best offenses in the NFC. The third, I would say, being the Vikings. Like this is what's. This is just the NFL now. Like any great defense, you know, like 
think about it. Like the 49ers are a fantastic defense. And a couple of weeks ago, the Seahawks, I think, put up what 13 points on them, which, you know, is say you're saying is, you know, oh, 13 points, but like it's 13 points. Like this was 34. Some people, you know, Detroit uh, is a great offense. They played a good defense and they, they shellac them. Like it's just the way the league is now that a great defense just, it's so hard to keep teams from scoring points now. I slightly agree with you, but I think like we saw the Chiefs and the Bills play earlier this year, and that game was 24 to 21. Like that, that feels more like two defenses who stepped up against two offenses to me, you know? Oh, yeah. But, but like, so I mean, if this game was like 24 27 or like 24 21, like I wanted to blink, but 40 34, I'm just like, come on, man. No, I, I agree. I also attested though to um, kickers getting a lot more accurate from, you know, the distance now. Like, if you really look at the game, like Philadelphia only scored 21 points um, from extra points and touchdowns. The rest, the rest 13 points, you know, came and the pick six, take that pick six out. Now, you got a good amount of points from field goals. Dallas had what is it, had 12 points from field goals. You know, when you have accurate kickers like that, all you have to really do is, you know, you're starting off at the 25 if you're down it in the uh, in the end zone on a kickoff. All you have to do is convert two or three first downs and you can kick a field goal now. Well, regardless, I think the big thing is that and as mentioned, that it seems the defenses need to do their homework in these next two weeks, and uh, securing securing playoffs, securing playoff berths for both teams, they could take it easy, and we'll ultimately see what they do about that. Um, Alex, yo, do you have any other comments regarding this match before we move on? Uh, no, I, I agree with both with Brian and Desmond. So just watching the game, I mean, both defenses need to tighten up going into the, the home stretch here for playoffs. You can't have that, um, you know, especially against some of these top offenses. Uh, I just completely agree with Gardner Minshew. I mean, that's why I picked the Eagles to win. I thought they were going to win. I think he's a serviceable quarterback, uh, and he proved it. I think teams are going to be interested in him in the offseason. Um, I know we're probably going to have a lot of Jets talk. I think that could be a person that they might look after, uh, but that could be someone. I think they just showed he just showed that he is capable. If there's a good amount of weapons and a good team in front of him, like the Eagles, like they have, he can be serviceable. Uh, so that was really my key takeaway was he kept the team in the game, didn't really have anything too crazy, and they could have walked away with a win. But, you know, Dallas's offense proved uh, to, to make the key plays down the stretch in order to win that game. So it was a great matchup. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, but my key takeaway, at least for me, from what you guys said, is Gardner Minshew could be a starter in the next uh, next year, uh, just the way he played. Nice proven game for him. Don't disagree there. And uh, we hope to see that handsome son of a bitch get a team next year to start it off. So why don't we talk about what Alex just mentioned in Thursday Night Football, the Jets and the Jaguars, as unforgiving in football conditions as you asked for. It was. It felt like the temperature in the teens, it was raining, wind foggy. was gusting, foggy, and yeah. somehow the team from Jacksonville, Florida, steps up in, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, Jacksonville wins 19 to 3. Zach Wilson, ugly a game as you can ever ask for, going only 9 for 18, 92 yards, an interception. And he was just eating up alive. He was destroyed by his teammates probably after the game, definitely destroyed by the fan base. And when they needed him to step up the most, 
And they are so lucky teams like Miami lost, New England lost to keep them in the playoff race. But Zach Wilson failed as New York Jets quarterback. And this uh, game proved it once and for all. And when your third string quarterback is your leading rusher at 54 yards, that's how you know it was as bad as it got. And like I said, the Jets are just so lucky that teams in the hunt as well lost. So, wow. Where do I go? Do you guys want to go positive first or negative? Because on the positive side, Jacksonville can control their destiny by winning out and they can secure a division in the AFC South. How about that? If they could pull it off, Trevor Lawrence, each game goes by in a sophomore season, looks better and better. And, uh, you know, how Evan Ingram re-evolved and played a great game, was the only capable receiver. ETN had a good game as well. Um, clearly, the defense for Jacksonville had a great game, even if Zach Wilson helped them out there. Um Positives and negatives. Let's just harp on the negatives. Zach Wilson is donezo. And um, how's that a negative? Oh. <laughs> it's negative yeah, if you're true, a Jets fan true. for the for the hope that this was the guy who anybody who actually believed this guy from the Mountain West Conference was somehow going to take the reins as a New York Jets quarterback and take the team to the promised land, but only has caused tension and frustration and just major disappointments. That's the negative aspect if you're a Jets fan that this guy really did fail. And they don't know what Joe Douglas saw in him. Was it really just one viral video, a really good pro day that had you now? People, you could have had Jalen Hurts, you could have had Justin Fields, but you have Zach Wilson and just a revolving door of failed draft Jets quarterbacks, especially at the number two overall pick position. I mean, wow. This was this didn't you? I, I swear, I swear, you guys must have saw this coming, like I did. And um, there are I did archive C when and I saw and the 2021 NFL preview. I said Zach Wilson, this is the guy, and um, I just wish I harped on that more. But um, I just think we saw this coming. I mean, this guy acted like a shit don't stink. You had. That story about him messing around with MILFs and he didn't back it up. Maybe for one second in the game against Pittsburgh, you thought he did, but no. All the Jets win that he was that he was a starting quarterback was a result of mostly the defense playing well and his weapons around him. And the only difference between him and like a Mark Sanchez is it seemed that Mark Sanchez at least had a backbone. He didn't. And um, it seems that it's over for him and we'll see if Joe Douglas can get a second round pick for him. If anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. You uh, go Alex. Okay. I was going to say you could roll back last week. What did I say? Zach Wilson is a darker military. <laughs> and I'm not he saying that because like they're two. both number two picks and all that stuff. Right. But it's because if you, everyone knows if you're an NBA fan, I'm obviously an NBA fan. I work for him yet, but if you know the story of dark military, <laughs> it was that loaded 2003 draft class. The Pistons had the second pick in the draft. They got enamored by the workout of Darko Milicic, and they took him. And then he got to the NBA, and he just couldn't evolve. He just couldn't, you know, could perform at the NBA level. And then you, all the talent after him are all pretty much first ballot Hall of Famers, right? And that was his story. Zach Wilson, to me, is the same thing. 
we all got enamored by his workout, by his pro day, by his arm strength, by everything. We're like, oh, this guy can be pretty solid. But then he got to the NFL, and then the true colors came out. This guy can't play at the NFL level. And it's unfortunate. And the Jets got swept up by this workout and this pro day. But at the end of the day, it is what it is with them, and they're stuck with it. And if they gave him another year, maybe, and he, whatever. But at this point right now, he can't play at the NFL level. He can't make the simple throws. His IQ is horrendous. He tries to play hero ball when he doesn't need to play hero ball. There's no system that it looks like will work for Zach Wilson. And then you look at all these random backups coming in for the Jets. I know I like Mike White. We all in here love Mike White other than you, Matt, for some reason. But he comes in, he has success. <laughs> Definitely comes in, he has success, right? And Zach Wilson just can't do that. And I think this is the end of the road for him for the Jets. And like I said, it might keep him around and see if he develops, but he's not the starter next year. They're going to go with a different option. Um, it, it, that, that's what I saw. And the only thing, last thing, I'll let you guys talk. Robert Solid needs a man up and just say Zach Wilson sucks. And I know, and I know that it's tough for the head coach to say that. But what I heard on my drive home from that press conference, and I've stuck outside MetLife, was that <clears throat> him saying, "Oh, we 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 benched him because we our running attack wasn't working, and we thought Strebel <laughs> had the running game." Are you out of your mind? Just say he didn't play well, and we have to teach him a lesson that if you don't play well, you go to the bench. And Strevler gave us that spark, and we kept that spark in for the rest of the game. That's all he had to say. But yet he's like, oh, no, uh, you know, Strevler, uh, you know, got the run game going. We're struggling with the run game. That's why we benched that. No, just say he just couldn't make the throws needed to win a mandatory win that you guys needed. And you put Strevler, and he was he was working in the system for that little bit, and that was it. So... Just a mess over the Jets. I think Zach Wilson's done. He just can't play at the level. It's unfortunate the Jets waits another high pick on a quarterback that doesn't work, but he can't be the starter next year. I think they're going to go either Mike White or a veteran option, but that's that's my Jets right now. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the floor. For you know, yeah, it's... Could... Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's just like what I find aggravating, I think, is just like the fact that he might be a bigger bust than Jamarcus Russell. Um, and I, and I say that because at least Jamarcus Man, Russell had, yeah, Jamarcus Russell had at least one season where he had a TD to, in TD to interception ratio that was above one, which means he had 13 TDs to eight interceptions. Zach Wilson has always been below, you know, a one to one TD to interception ratio as in nine and 11, nine and 11 and six and seven. TD to interception ratio. So at least the man was in positive for one season. Um, you know, and you know what? He had a, he, you know, and he played at, a, at least like a legit college, um, you know, kind of schedule and stuff like that. Jamarcus Russell. Um, Zach Wilson's a bum. It's that simple. I personally don't even think he's a serviceable backup in this league because when it comes to a backup, you sign a backup not to be a developmental player, but to be someone that could step in when your starter is injured and you need someone to manage a game get a win or get a very good loss, I always say. So, like, he's not a Chase Daniel. He's not a Case Keenum. He's not a Joe Flacco. He is a – I honestly would take him take Josh Rosen over him because at least I know Josh Rosen's accurate. Um, the way I see it is this guy's going to be a practice squad guy that is going to be, you know, some type of, like, gadget guy. Or we'll put him in because he could has he has a cannon for a Hail Mary on the team. Maybe he'll get picked up for the Patriots because Mac, uh, Mac Jones can't throw a Hail Mary. They'll keep Zach Wilson to throw mm-hmm. Hail Marys maybe. But, you know, this guy's going to be out of the league. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, I think of Jamarcus Russell, you know, 
uh, Johnny Manziel, he's worse than these two guys. Um, absolutely. Just because they actually put up numbers and had heart and had accountability somewhat. Jamarcus Russell a little bit, not really though. Um, Manziel did, but like Wilson's just not cutting it for me. And also um, speaking on Salah, I think it really comes down to there needs to be a, a separation between GM and coach on actual player personnel decisions, because there's no doubt in my mind that Robert Salah did not want to start Zach Wilson when Mike White got hurt and probably wanted to go to Flacco or Strebler. And Joe Douglas was like, put in my boy that I drafted. I need to see, keep on giving him chances just to see if it pans out. When my opinion, if Salah actually had the ability to, Wilson wouldn't have started after week four. So I think we need more of a separation in player personnel between GM and let a coach actually coach. I think this is a prime example of that because in my opinion, if Strebler does play that game, he did have nine carries for 54 yards. Um, and he is pretty efficient. And I've seen him when he was on Arizona. He is a decent backup. They, it would have been a lot closer game. I think people have been trying to be nice for a while now, but I think the writing's been on the wall. Like Zach Wilson was never a good quarterback. You know, I think people are just trying to make excuses for him, so on and so forth. But like, I think he had kind of an out when you're saying like, oh, maybe they need a different offensive coordinator. But then when you had Mike White come in and be a better quarterback under the exact same circumstances as him, I think it pretty much has closed the door on his entire case. He completely whiffed this week. And I don't want to give him too much more air time because it, it's obvious that he needs to go. It really is. And I think on the solo thing, my conspiracy theory is that I think that Sal is trying to be a good company man and not throw his front office under the bus because the more he talks about how bad Zach Wilson is, the more it looks bad on them for drafting him so high. But that's mm. just my take on it. Good point. I think the bigger story here is that we are just now seeing the birth of the London Jaguars. <laughs> and I'm 100% serious about this because watching that game, it appeared evidence to me that Trevor Lawrence is taking a big jump and the offensive scheme has taken a big jump under Doug Peterson. Like they didn't score a bunch, but if you just watched how they were executing this offense, it looks so much more clean the way they were using it. I'm thinking about Calvin Ridley being in this offense next year on top of whoever else they might draft. And I think the Jaguars are poised to take over this division. Houston's going to suck for another couple of years, no matter who they draft. Number one, the Colts suck and the Titans suck. The Jaguars are going to own this division for the next few years. And when Jacksonville fans still won't show up to that stadium, it'll be the perfect excuse to take that, that franchise across the Atlantic ocean over into London, which they've been trying to pitch the Jaguars to London for years now. That's why they get a game over there every single year. So I think Trevor Lawrence and this team are going to own this division for the next few years. The Jaguars look great right now. They're going to the playoffs. I'd be afraid. I'd be very afraid to play them in a, in a wild mm -hmm. card. They are, they are a sleeper. Same thing with the chargers. Like, they they got some they got some moxie to them and De uh, Desmond just thinking about it this does not look like uh, the Philadelphia Super Bowl team under Doug Peterson the way they run this offense because to me I see Evan Ingram I think Dallas Goddard um, I you know I see Etn I think of I think of um what's his name like why can't I think of the running back Boston um, Scott I think honestly yeah I was gonna say Boston Scott is a shifty son of a bitch and he yeah. reminds me of his elusiveness in those playoff games. Um, you know, obviously ETN's better, but this team reminds me of a cookie cutter Super Bowl Eagles team, and I wouldn't be shocked if they made a run. They the look good, man. Is, defense is playing lights out. And 
they're right now they're the four seed. They would be facing the Ravens in the first game. And Lamar Jackson has been looking suspect even when he has been healthy. I mean, I would not put it past the Jaguars to knock off the Ravens in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I think they I think they have making some noise. I think they have an offense with enough offensive weapons. This is a poor man's Kansas City Chiefs offense right now. If you really look at look at it. Kirk Kirk is Juju Smith. ETN is a mix of Jarek McKinnon and Pacheco. You know, you know, uh, Kirk, uh, yeah, Kirk is Smith, ETN, yeah, Ingram's Kelsey. It's a uh, Lawrence could be a Pat Mahomes. This is a poor man's Chiefs team. I would take them. I would, I would say that they could go into an arrowhead, go into uh, Buffalo, and they could have a shootout. I could see it. Yeah, uh, I'm really liking what I see from Jacksonville. I always thought. I, I didn't like Robert Myers hire at all. I was like one of the people and everyone's like, Oh, you'd be great. And I was like, yeah, now watch you go up and flames. So went up and flames. When they got Peterson, I was like, Ooh, this could be a scary team going forward because I thought he got the staff with Philly. Uh, and he's, he's showing why he's a great, he's a great at coach. You turn around Trevor Lawrence. Like I said, this offense is clicking. The defense has been really, really good. Um, yeah. It looks like Trevor Lawrence got his confidence back, which we saw at times last year. He just did it have anything uh because the mess that was Jacksonville last year uh they're turning really turning things around and they're taking the advantage of the titans having a epic collapse uh and i think they're going to be a really really scary team and and like desmond said if they play the ravens and you know lamar is probably going to be a little bit banged up but he hasn't played in multiple weeks jacksonville could easily take advantage of the way the defense is playing if they can just contain lamar uh, they can have a shootout and win. So I think this Jacksonville team is is poised for the playoffs, and I think they're going to be a really, really scary team you know, in the AFC. So just quick thing before moving on with the Jets. As I mentioned, Jets are still in the hunt. So their scenario at this moment, they have to win out. Patriots have to lose at least one game, either against Miami this week or against Buffalo next week. And that would lead, and especially if the Pats lose, that would lead to a big Jets versus Dolphins win and you're in, you know, early playoff game, likely on Sunday night. And fun fact, I'm actually going to be at that game. This is my brother that weekend, so going to get lucked out there. So I want it for fun reasons like that. But with this, do you think this, the 2022 Jets are going to fulfill that? Do you think they're going to beat Seattle this week? and beat Miami next week? And do you think the Jets are going to sneak into the playoffs this year and get there for the first time since 2010? Absolutely. I think if I think Seattle's a cakewalk because of that defense right now. Um, Mike White um, could shoot it out with Geno Smith in that offense, even though the Seattle offense is good. Lockett's hurt. Um, the O-line has been playing a little under their normal um, pedigree as of late. And when it comes to the Dolphins, with two is third concussion in like five weeks – I wouldn't be shocked if they don't play him the rest of the season just because, you know, I don't think you could. So, um, you know, I really see him missing the rest of the season too. And if that's the case, there's, I, I have a feeling that the Patriots will lose to Buffalo regardless if they're resting players or not. Um, so I think it's, I think it's, I think it's very doable for them. I get my personal opinion. I think they have a like 55% chance to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I agree, too. Um, I think they have a decent chance. Uh, we have to see how Mike White looks coming off this injury, but the way the team responds when he's at quarterback is way different than we've seen when Wilson's has been quarterback. And uh, I think he can guide this offense. His defense is going to be fired up. 
uh, knowing what's on the line. Um, so I see them having a good chance here um, to make it. I, I, me personally, I, I want to see it. Uh, I think it would be a good story. They've had a good start of season, and now they're hitting this this wall, and they can break through it and finally make the postseason. I think that would be pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, I think, like Brian said, there, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities. And I, with Tua now not potentially playing for the rest of the year, you go to that game with Teddy Bridgewater and that defense, you can make some noise and go out and win some games. So I think they have a good shot here. Uh, they just need some some lucky breaks, and I think those things can, uh, those breaks can happen for them. I think it's the Dolphins because I think Tua is going to play that last game of the season, and I think that because I think the Dolphins have no respect for his his health whatsoever. I think they're going to push him to be out there in week 18. I think that he wants to play and doesn't understand that he's in a very vulnerable position. So I don't think that he'll say no to that opportunity. And while I think he should be shut down for the year, because I think his brain needs at least nine months of healing. I sincerely doubt that the dolphins are actually going to, they're actually going to like incentivize that decision. I think they're going to push him to be out there for that final game of the season. And I think if he's out there, I think this dolphins team is too much for this Jets team. But one just, hit just just go yeah just going off that don't you think the nfl is going to have to step in at some point with this you would think in an ideal world right yeah. though have you ever thought to yourself the nfl is a really stand-up organization no, no, that always no, makes no. the right decision no, no, I know. It's, it's, actually like, it's just it's terrifying a, they won't it's step so in. upsetting it's so upsetting like watching this kid because he knows if he doesn't play that last game he might never get a starting position ever again because he's had a suspect um performances since getting that second concussion and they're going to blame it not on the concussion just the overall performance because you know if you're not really hurt if you could play you know what i mean that's always the phrase are you hurt or you're injured well if you were injured you wouldn't be able to play so you're hurt which means you could suck it up and play and he played bad so they're not going to account it for the injury but it's his literally his brain the cerebral part of playing quarterback that's numb for the last two months of the season. And if he doesn't play, he won't ever get a starting position again, most likely. But if he does play, he could literally die. So, you know, it's really sad that, like, this Dolphins organization should honestly, like, the owner needs to go anyway off yeah. the, because of the yeah. off the field shit that happened this offseason. Like, the Brian Flores alone, like, that he should have got ridiculed after, like, firing that man after doing a great job down there and building that culture. It's just really sad to see the predicament that that kid is in because, you know, I, a lot of, he's, he's honestly like he's stuck. He has no ability to like, there's no right answer for him. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just scared though. Cause like, I know I get it, what you're saying, Brian, like this could be his last. I think of Ryan Shazier. I think of Ryan yeah. Shazier. I think of one hit like, and he's going to literally be dead on the field. And I think that's why I think the NFL needs to, his family needs to step in. Like someone has to step in and just say like, Tua, like, I think there's enough on paper that he could get another gig somewhere. But, like, this is this guy's life on the line. Yeah. He gets hit, like you said, bro. He gets hit one more time. He could die. He could be paralyzed. His career could be. It, there's so many different things that can happen here. And I think someone needs to step up and just say, yeah. I don't think death, regardless. you know, I, yeah. I don't think death maybe will have, have to like, protect you know, him. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, he could get him. severe, yeah. severe brain damage. Like, yeah. he could hemorrhage. There's so many different yeah. things. And that long term effects. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Protect him. Like, we, we all played sports. He should not play the rest of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah. We all have that mindset. Like, we've all sprained our ankles. We've all jammed our fingers. We've all done different things. And we're like, yeah, we're good. But sometimes our body is like, hey, like, I'm not good. <laughs> yeah, not no, good. actually, we're not. I'm not good. <laughs> like, that's where, like, like everyone's saying, it's like, 
Two, we all know two wants to be out there. We all know that. But like everyone has to step in there and be like, we understand you want to be out there, but for your livelihood, you need to set the rest of the year. And then yeah. step in and do the same thing. Like we love that you're competitive and you want to be out there, but like you need to stop. Like there has to be that they say like he can't play the rest of the year regardless because of all these concussions he had this season alone. Like it's just yeah. that's where I think someone has to just at least say something. Need the dolphins, and- whoever. And the crazy thing, the crazy thing is that he keeps on hurting the same spot of the head, if you're noticing, that back of the head. And, like, you know, it's a different story if you got a concussion in the front lobe and then the back lobe and in the side. Like, his brain is hitting the back on the back side and then bouncing back and hitting the front of his head. Like, it's going, like, in multiple times now. So he's not – it's the same spot. It's not, it's concentrated trauma to the both the frontal and the cortex and the the back part. I forget the name of it, but – it's like, you know, decision made. Yeah. Decision making is one of them. I'm pretty sure. So like, you know, yeah, the frontal cortex and that, that's, that, that's the, the rebound spot of him getting hit back, which has the more force. So if you really think about it, this man can't make a decision on the field anyway, especially now, like you gotta let him sit. Yeah. And I think that those, and just a quick, all the playoff scenarios, I think Jets beat Seattle, but they'll lose to Teddy Bridgewater on uh, that Sunday night in the last game of the year. Miami, we will sneak in. So let's keep on keeping on with Miami. I as well talk about the Packers and Dolphins on Christmas. I think the best game in a football stance, Aaron Rodgers, looking like the old Aaron Rodgers, and finally connecting with his receivers, wins his third game. Packers win their third game in a row. I didn't know about that 15-game winning streak in the Aaron Rodgers era on December games. That's impressive. Too bad I don't have Alex to debate um, – sorry, the other Alex to debate Aaron Rodgers being the Aaron Rodgers apologist here. But um, pretty impressive games for the Packers lately, even if it's too late. Just to say their playoff scenarios, um, they need a win out. They need guys to lose out then Washington to lose once, and that's how they will get in. Very hard. I don't think that's going to likely happen. But um, with the Packers making at least a nice end-of-the-year push, meaningful December games, do we give any credit to the improvements, whether it means jobs are being saved, whether it means maybe the Packers see, hey, maybe we'll finally get some receivers that you legitimately need, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, do we see anything out of that from this past game on Christmas Day with the Packers side of things since we focused a lot on the Dolphins before? So I'm going to do a complete Uno reverse card for what I've been saying most of the season. I think I've come to the realization that this Green Bay Packers team to blame is not the receivers or Aaron Rodgers, but it's the coaching. I think Matt LaFleur is a bad mm-hmm. head coach. I don't mm-hmm. think he can make game time decisions. I think his offense is not. Um, it doesn't work in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers made it work. There was interviews in the preseason and, and over the summer on how Aaron Rodgers hates this offense. And he grew up in the West Coast offense and the spread offense and spread offenses. And he wanted to run that. And this offense is more on cadences and, you know, timing. And that's not a style that he likes. He likes creativity and being able to, you know, fly off the handle, throw his sidearm throws that we all love to see. Um, I think that the, for the players they have, I don't think it fits the scheme that LaFleur wants to run. And that's why I think it's been a mess. Like, in my opinion, Aaron Jones is the most 
value. I think he's a top five athlete in the NFL, and he's one of the most undervalued, underutilized players by this franchise. Same thing with Devontae Adams. Like they just waste talent. If you look at the consistent years um, for the Packers organization, but I don't. I think Lafleur is not the guy here. I think they got to get rid of him. Um, and rebuild this defense, but I don't see them making the playoffs. But I think I think that they need a change at the coaching position. Yeah, so you almost feel like it was Aaron Rodgers, just like you know what, I'm going to just take over the rest of the season. Like it's a, not like even a, this, like an angry oh, high December? school player. Yeah, yeah. I think he had enough after no after Thanksgiving hit, and he says, "Well, fuck it. If I get traded, who cares? And if we don't make the playoffs, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway. So, like, let me at least play the way I could play. I know how to play, and try to make something of this. And he has, and out of nowhere." When he started, you know, if you notice, he starts making audibles in certain games and starts, you know, playing his razzle-dazzle kind of way. And Christian Watson, out of nowhere, becomes this, like, high-ended player. So, you know, maybe this, there's some people, I always explain this, like, look at people um, in the real world and in, in jobs, right? There's some people that fit into the mold of working nine to five. And, you know, and they love that job. They fill their role. And there's other people that can work a nine to five they work outside the zones of human of the human um you know the usual um work kind of day they don't want a boss they want to be their own person they want to be their own company you know independent entrepreneurs and stuff like that and those people flourish by themselves and they make creative things he's like that kind of guy Aaron Rodgers and it doesn't this system does not fit him they're trying to put a square in a circle peg hole like you were in kindergarten it's just not working and I think you know, he's too valuable of an asset that I think the coaching to, I think coaching is coaching is going to have to go. He did say it four and eight. I still believe this team can make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think they're making the playoffs, but it's good to see Rogers being Rogers. And I agree with Brian. I think there's going to probably be a change to the head coach. I think people are starting to realize that Rogers, like most times elevated the coaching staff. You can argue later on, um, you know, with his former coach being there, you know, with McCarthy, like he did the same thing. Now here he's doing the same thing and they're having an off year and they haven't really done much to change anything. And now Rogers has gone back to, you know what, I'll just, I'll just do what I need to do. And like Brian said, you know, Watson's gone off. The offense has looked a lot better. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's just going to be another change. Um, and they I realize they have a short window here and can the Packers finally wake up? They are a marquee team in this league can you finally put some talent around some more talent around your marquee quarterback a first ballot hall of famer i doubt it because it's the packers they just don't want to do that but can they eventually please do that so that we can have one good final aaron Rodgers run um because like i said i was thinking rogers was shot but these last few games i'm like i think there's other things happening here and now we're kind of seeing that. And I think once they maybe clear house, we'll see. Or they finally realize maybe we should go to the offense that caters Rogers best. Uh, maybe they'll take off again on the Super Bowl run. But for right now, I think there's some a lot of question marks. They're not going to make the playoffs. But it's good to see at least Rogers and this offense starting to click late in the year. Because maybe next year they'll be a top offense again. Uh, can we talk about who the Packers have beat the last few games here? Uh, who who did they beat? Yeah, it was uh was it the Rams and the Bears? Are, mm-hmm. are we really starting to? Are we going to start like you know, bringing out the parade <laughs> for the for the Packers for beating the Rams and the Bears? No, um, I'm glad the Packers got one on Christmas. Green Bay has a huge fan base in this country. 
that's the last game they're going to win this season. And, and I hope that for just for America's sake, I guess, because everyone loves the Packers that either Aaron Rodgers goes to a better team next year, or they finally bring someone who can actually be a top 10 receiver to, to green Bay. I mean, they had Devontae for a long time, but (laughs) they needed two. you can't survive on just one good receiver. You need multiple weapons on any offense. Like every team that is, Going to the going to the Super Bowl has to have at least like two like serviceable number one options. You know, not and the Cowboys. I was gonna say, and if you don't, then you're in trouble. Uh, so yeah, I just they, they don't even have one number one option on this team right now. I, I think that people are going to make a big deal about you know like oh the Vikings they don't really win in Green Bay that often. They haven't played outside since like in almost two months now, but. You know, I'm starting to back off the Vikings hate train a little bit. Like they just they they they're what ten and zero in one score it's, games. If it's, it's a one score year. game, eleven now, eleven year. and 0, eleven. Yeah, they, they got you. If it's a one score game, year. they got That's you. It. You know, just just like call it a night. You know, you're done. So I mean, I just I don't see it. I don't see the Packers winning both these games, let alone even one of these games. I think Detroit gets them in week week eighteen. So yeah, it was a good story for while it lasted. Packers season's over. Um, Aaron Rodgers. The Jets need a quarterback. I think he's staying there at this rate. I can't see him leaving Green Bay. The Jets will pay anything. They don't know what they're doing. They'll pay anything to get him. I'll tell you this. He might go to the Raiders. He might go to the Raiders. If Carr's gone, if Carr leaves or gets traded, there's no... He might just say, I want I want to go up to Devontae. Or if Carr leaves, Packers might call up and be like, you want those picks back? Because you're in a rebuild and we want Devontae Adams back. That'd be so interesting because because, um, because, you know, calling back to go back to Green Bay, like that's (laughs) that could be an issue, especially if cars leaving, which we know that's why he's cars gonna listen. Realistically, cars gonna probably go to the Redskins or he'll go to like maybe yeah, go to the Redskins. Something He's like going that. to the Colts. We all know this. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want. I don't <laughs> I want. That that for, so I don't want that for Derek Carr. But like, I'm looking at the either. free agency. So I'm looking at the free agency receivers to 2023, and like, it's bad. Like, it's Aguilar, Shepard, Chark, Cobb, Marvin Jones, Julio Jones, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers. That'd be a good pickup, maybe. Juju Smith, um, Nikhil Harry, like. There are some nobodies in this wide receiver um, free agency. So it's like they have to go to the draft or they're going to have to make some kind of a trade. But in my opinion, like Christian Watson, I don't think Christian Watson's that good. I think he's a byproduct of Aaron Rodgers slinging it right now um, and doing his thing finally because Aaron Rodgers can make anything. You know, he can make a Chef Boy or a Deez sound like it's from Rayos. You know what I mean? He can make uh-huh. something shit turn into fantastic. And that's what he's done his entire career. So it might just be that they might strengthen up the defense and go to the draft instead of free agency or try to pull like a guy like, honestly. Terrell Owens. Yeah, 49. (laughs) (laughs) You got to think. So you got to think about certain teams. So like if if the Chargers might might have to blow it up this offseason, Keenan Allen's aging, you might pick him up. If Tampa Bay might be in a selling market this offseason, if Brady leaves, Mike Evans... Godwin, like those are things you might have to look in. They're gonna have to pry someone and pray pay a premium to get a top receiver. And that's just the name of the game right now. Yeah. And um also it is fair to say I, what it seems to be the moment Tua got hurt was when he threw three interceptions back to back to back drives. And um 
Besides that, though, the Dolphins holding it down. We already talked about uh, two issues and how vital the quarterback position is to the Miami team. But besides that and seeing how many of these crucial losses they have gotten in the final few weeks of the season, and now it seems that even though I think he's just a cool-ass dude in the sense of cool-ass dudes and Mike McDaniels, it seems that he doesn't really have his team um, put together right now. Even if they somehow sneak into the playoffs, it can't be a long run. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the defense is just too weak. They have no backbone. Um, they, they, they're a defense that only thrives when they're up by a lot due to the offense, and then they can turn the ball over just out of desperation um, by their opposing quarterbacks just throwing it around. Um, yeah, I, I see this team as a one-and-out team, nothing special right now. Uh, you know, to his health, obviously, is the main factor. I'm also a little aggravated with the running back by committee um, by this team because I really think that Jeff Wilson really isn't uh, that all that all that crazy. Um, he's more of a gets yards by the sheer amount of carries he gets. Um, that's what happened on the 49ers, and he really didn't do that. He hasn't really done as well as he should on the Dolphins. And in my opinion, I think their best athlete outside of Waddle and Tyreek Hill is Raheem Mostert. And, you know, we saw him in Buffalo go off. I think he needs to get the more dominant carries. He can't only have eight carries in a game for them to, you know, and then lose. They, he needs to get 15 carries a game in order for them to be successful. That's just how a dynamic he is. So I want to see them with um, Teddy Bridgewater in to re- rely more on the run game. All right. All right, all right, all right. So let's talk about the Giants and the Vikings right now. Oh, man, what a game. Both, I mean, it's hard to say. Was this a good game? Was this a good game? It was fine. It was fine. It was frustrating for a Giants fan, and it had good aspects, like Daniel Jones having a 300-plus yard game, which is a beautiful sight to see. We saw Saquon Barkley holding it down, and then we saw a lot of other players dropping the ball, especially Richie James, crucial drops. That's frustrating. I mean, one thing it seems that at least um, – it seems that at least that they were able to stay in this game at one point, but then Justin Jefferson. If just Justin Jefferson wasn't on the Vikings, I think the Giants would have pulled this off. But there's a reason why he's one of the best receivers in the league is because he's a game changer and then – Despite that and the Giants going in to tie after, what are you going to do when a guy and Greg Joseph kicks a 61-yard field goal? Heartbreaking, even with the Giants covering. Um, this was just a hard-fought game that we still should have won, and we know who to blame for that. But at least in these final two games, if the Giants just win one of the next two games, they get the secure playoff spot. And um, they'll get there in the first time since 2016. I'll throw it to the best Giants fan I know in Alex. What was your analysis of this game? Um, it was nice to have the family there to watch it, but at the end, it was it was brutal. Um, the realization of that, uh, just because it seems over the last years, every close game uh, for the Giants, at least something like this, where they play a, a really good opponent, uh, ends with a bomb of a field goal. I, I just want to know the stat of how many giant Gano losses. Gano did it to us. Yeah, Gano did it to us. I think Slide did it one year. There's someone else. They all bombs field goals. But besides the point, I'm happy the Giants showed up. Um, and they looked really solid yeah. above the ball. 
I would love a rematch against the Vikings in the playoffs. I think they, the Giants could have a game. Like you said, Ricky James had a bunch of drops. Um, one bad Daniel uh, Jones throw. I mean, that was just a good jump on the, on the ball. Um, nothing you really can do there. Um, but overall, this assessment, I felt it was positive. Um, yeah. You no, know, I, I was middle of the road on, on Daniel Jones. Um, going into this year. Uh, it was make a break year. Um, I'm still a little up and down, but I, I think after this game, he could he could be our guy uh, for the price. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not the type of guy to think. I'm not the type of person like Matt, you, you listen to WFN here on the radio all the time. Like there's people calling saying that he needs like $50 million a year and like he's going to take that. He's not going to take that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's going to probably demand the average, which is going to be around 28 to 30. Do we give him that? I don't know. Um, but even off a franchise tag, do that and give him at least one more year with that I large much salary. Rather, this is my idea for the, and we could talk about this the offseason for the Giants when we hit that. But my idea is you franchise Saquon because it's just a little bit of less money, and you work on an extension with Daniel. And if that's like three years between twenty-five to twenty-nine to thirty million, whatever or whatever you want, I think he's done enough to do that um, because I think he's done a lot with less. Uh, which is shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, he's having a really, really solid year, and he has no wide receiver one. The one wide receiver one we have, he sits on the bench and gets paid $18 million a year. Um, the one guy who's been one of our best receivers this year came off a waiver wire by the Bills in Isaiah Hodges, who's gone off. Yeah. He's, um, he's Richard turned James, into a little star. Richard James hasn't – he's up and down. And Darius Slayton's been our most consistent, but he has, I think, the second-highest drop rate in the NFL still. But he's he's shown up when it's mattered most of the time. Um so I think he deserves to be our guy. Um, going into the playoffs, I'll have confidence. I don't think uh, we're going to win one. Uh, this team still has a lot of holes that need to be filled, but just watching this game, um, seeing Daniel drive down the field, make the plays he needed, get the touchdown, get the two-point conversion. Um, it seems the team loves him. Uh, I think there's a lot of positives going forward. Like I said, I think the future is bright. I think just – Getting into the playoffs is just a, a cherry on top to the season. I don't think me and you, Matt, thought or you guys thought the Giants were going to be postseason. They have a perfect opportunity against the weak Colts team to do that. I think they will. Um, but overall, looking at this game, I, I was just very happy to see what Daniel's shown time and time of the season is that he can do well as a quarterback, even with awful talent around them, just because of how Dable and the offensive coordinator have schemed to make him have success on the field uh, week in and week out. Yeah, that's the yeah. one thing to get out of it is Daniel Jones. This was his respect game, at least. And as long as he prevents those turnovers, I know he had an interception, but that was his first one in five weeks. And we can take that as another positive. I knew just he was running for that first down and then that head shoulder against the defensive back for the Vikings. I was like, you know what? Give this guy another year. He has balls. I definitely was a hater at first. When we didn't get the other Josh Allen in that draft, I was upset. But you know what? I It took five years, but I am happy that Daniel Jones is a New York Giants quarterback. And that's what I can take out of this game. And, yeah, just win one more game. And if you could do it at home, especially our last home game of the season this Sunday, huge cherry on top, as you said, Alex. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you guys. Um, I think I this is would be my ideal plan for the Giants. I would, you know, sign Daniel Jones to like a two-year, two-year $50 million deal. 25 a year, middle of the pack, you know, hopefully he takes that. 
um, in the first, in the second year, it could be like a, a, a team option where you, you know, you could cut him basically. Um, I would franchise tag Saquon Barkley. And then you're going to have a middle to like early 20s first round pick. I pick up Baja Robinson, mm-hmm. the running back from Texas in the first round, because you know, Barkley's is waiting for another injury. And this is, this is, you know, he's as injury prone, you know, running backs don't last. It's almost like what the Titans did with DeMarco Murray and then Derrick Henry, where DeMarco Murray had those two seasons still put up a thousand yards each. And then Henry came in, you get a stud like Robinson in the first round in the low <laughs> round for that. You have your guy Barkley. You could do a one, two punch like Elliot and Pollard. And then you could then, you know, see how Jones does build your receiving core. And then in the next couple of drafts, then you could find your guy. You never know. You might be able to get Arch Manning when he comes out of college. So, you know, there's there you have a lot of potential. But I think right now keeping Jones and trying to find another running back in the draft might be a good idea. Just You just need athletes. And right now your identity is run the fucking ball. You know what I mean? Get the first downs. Three, three yards, three yards, four yards. That's your goal. That's all you need. And I think that's what they should continue to do. When it comes to the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson, what a game. Oh, my God. I'm, two great touchdown catches. Like, amazing. Giants, in my opinion, deserve to win this game, though, just because of the heart they played. But, unfortunately, the Vikings just are it this season. They can just win one score game. So, you better hope you have two touchdowns with in a two-minute drill against them or you're going to lose this game. Um, Kirk Cousins. We shit on him all the time. I still think his stats are inflated because of yards after the catch and not true air yards. So be it. But he's finding ways to win. And honestly, the way he's playing, like, you know, if people do bad, he could be, you know, I bet he'll get some MVP votes this season. I wouldn't be shocked. So kudos to the Vikings on a good win. Yeah, I'm going to keep it quick here. Um, Giants. I really hope that this is your scenario right here. I hope that you beat the Colts and then lose the Eagles in week 18 because you don't want to be the sixth seed. You don't want to go to San Francisco. You want to go back to Minnesota. You, I think I said this at the end of last week's episode. You're going to probably lose this game close, but get the blueprint for how to beat this team. And I would think that after how closely you played the Vikings this week, you got a pretty strong feeling that you can go back in there and actually win next time. So... I, I, you know, it sounds weird to say like, hey, you should sit all your players week 18, but I think you should. I don't think you, don't think you want to go to San Francisco. I, I think you want to go back to Minnesota. You have a good chance to beat the Vikings in the first round. I would be excited to watch that game. I think that should be the game we actually do a live stream on personally. But with all that being said, Vikings, you know, they're they're playing great right now. Um, that fan base is for real. I, you know, I, I think... Um, I will take back a little bit of my hate for Kirk Cousins a little bit. I still want to see him prove it in the playoffs, but yeah, man, I think um, Vikings in a one score game. I mean, I mean, I've never seen I, what has ever happened before, right? The team go 11 and 0 in one season in one score games. That's a new NFL yeah, record. No, I think so. Yeah, that's, it that's is. incredible. I saw that. That's incredible. Just end it right there. All right. All right. So we're very excited for the future there. Bengals and the Patriots. Bengals did a Chiefs this week. Have an incredible first half, almost blow it in the second half. They looked like they were dominating New England in New England, but uh, the Patriots made a push that screwed up at the end there, but ultimately leads to a 22-18 to victory for Cincinnati, securing their playoff position. Cincinnati, what is this, their sixth win in a row or seventh? 
something like that. But I'll I'll check. Um, it is there one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh win. There you go, seven wins in a row, and uh, this team is as hot as it comes. I mean, what else is there to add? Where T Higgins is looking marvelous, trying to get to be an equivalent to Jamar Chase. Joe Cool knows how to use all his other options as well, whether it's Trent Irwin or stuff like that. Joe Mixon having another stellar game himself, putting the Bengals in good positions. And then on the Patriots side, even putting out a fight in the end with Mac Jones, a.k.a. the dirtiest player in the NFL right now. Um, I think, as I mentioned, the Patriots are having dysfunction and just things aren't working. And again, when you have players and coaches hating each other, like Matt Patricia and Mac Jones, it's a it's a recipe for disaster. I don't see the Patriots winning out for the rest of the season. They're still in the hunt technically, but they're not going to be the ones to sneak in the playoffs when it's all said and done. No, this Patriots team is extremely flawed. I don't think they're winning another game this season. Uh, I don't even want to focus on them. You know, just turn the page. This season's done for them. Bengals. Are the Bengals the best team in the in the league right now? Kind of feels that way. It, it really does. I, I mean, as far as like complete top to bottom, like every position, both sides of the ball, I think the Bengals got to feel like the Super Bowl favorites right now, um, not just to get there, but to win. So I could not be more hyped for watching this final Monday night game of the year. The Bills and the Bengals in Cincinnati. I, I can't wait to see it. In fact, I don't even want to focus on this game. I just want to get talking about that game. So I'm just going to cut it off right there, guys. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm on me. Looking forward to that, too. Um, just I think all of us are not surprised, but just their slow start with the soup, the Super Bowl uh, hangover, if you willy nilly lost. And a lot of people say it's really tough to come back for that. And they're showing uh, that they're back from that. Uh, and if not better, uh, they're just such a very, very balanced team. They, uh, you know, bounce back from adversity time in and time out. They're just clicking on all cylinders right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're showing that they're probably the most dangerous team in the AFC, if not the best team in the AFC right now, top to bottom. And that includes the Bills um, and the Chiefs. So uh, I'm excited to see how these next few weeks go. Um, they could probably just keep on winning and, and go into the playoffs hot. Um, I could see that. And uh, yeah, I think. They're a team that I'm definitely going to be tuning in for for the rest of the season just with how they've been playing so far. It's been amazing to watch. Yeah, I agree with everything. I hope they lose to the Bills, though, because I feel like it's always in this next week. I always feel like it's hard to beat an opponent twice in such a short amount of time um, just because of it's just, you know, you're studying game film and stuff like that and you're really doing your homework. And, yeah, so I think they'll lose and then beat them in the AFC Championship if that's how it works out. But, uh, yeah, I have the Bengals going to the Super Bowl again. I believe in Joe Cool. I think he has all the intangibles. Patrick Mahomes might be better, but I think the clutch factor is so much stronger with Joe Burrow than any other quarterback in the league right now. In my opinion, he has three number one receivers on his team in Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. I think Hayden Hurst is a top 15 tight end. Uh, anyone could be a top 15 tight end outside Kelsey and Andrews, really. But uh, I think he yeah. legit is, you know, he's actually a former baseball player, actually. Um, but uh, that's side fight note. But I think, you know, the running game with Mixon and Perrine, they just have too many weapons. And the secondary is legit. Eli Apple was underrated this year. A lot of people gave him smack. He's playing lights out, in my opinion. And Von Bell is one of the best ball hawking and hard hitting safeties in the league. Him and Jesse Bates. So. 
I, I, I just don't see anyone. They're the most complete team. I just don't see anyone beating them bad. One final note. The biggest fans of the Bengals this week are not in Cincinnati. They are in Kansas City because the Chiefs have two weak divisional opponents to end the year, and they probably are foaming at the mouth to watch the Bengals beat the Bills. That means the number one seed for the Chiefs this year. We know how good they are in the playoffs at home. With the exception of some bad losses there, they usually prefer to stay there. And um, I don't even know of a time. I don't think Patrick Holmes has ever played a road playoff game so far in his career. No. So Did he uh, not? We'll keep that going. No, he hasn't. Damn. Unless, I mean, unless you count the Super Bowl, but no. No, no, no. That's <laughs> I, but, but, yeah, never played a road playoff game. How about that? The Bills played the Bears. The Bills whipped the Bears. 35-13. Uh, Justin Fields. That's it. He's nice. He's really good. Bills are really, really good. It just sucks they don't have Von Miller. But um, that's all I have to say about this game. Yeah. At first, I, at first, I thought the the, the Bills were going to be stuck with trap because it was looking a little ugly for them, and then they just clicked it on cylinders and took it off. That's my only takeaway. Uh, that they just yeah. put it on because they're a great team, and that's what great teams do. They beat up on the bad opponents even after a slow start. So, so yeah. I think- you know the Bears are Bears are Owen now are Owen seven. Or 0-6 since Chase Claypool's joined. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, I think this is – we've all been saying one thing about the Bills this year that's always been their negative, and that's the run game. And they've consider- consistently in the last few weeks have ramped it up and have really been playing well. The duo of Singletary and Cook is amazing. They mm-hmm. both com- are very complementary of each other, similar styles. It's very trend. You can put them in and out. They're third down backs – there they could hit heavy north and south on first um first and second uh downs or a short yardage um my issue in my opinion with the bills is josh allen and he constantly just looks like not in sync with his receivers um since he got hurt um in my opinion like stefan diggs hasn't really played that well in a little a couple of weeks in my opinion um gabe davis is such a weird player he either gets two touchdowns and like 150 yards. Yeah. Or he gets like three for 45 or he gets no catch at all. He's very weird. Um, Fun fact though, Gabe Davis in the entire season, except since like week three, every third game in the season, he scores a touchdown. So wild card week, he will score a touchdown. Just calling that out. If they play in the wild cards, um, that's your my uh, hot take. Um, yeah. That's my prop. will score a touchdown wild card. If they, uh, cause chiefs will get the first seed. Um, but yeah, like they're not in sync, and I don't think I don't think they're as good as people say. I don't see them as a Super Bowl team just because of the inconsistencies. And I think Josh Allen has taken a step back uh, under Ken Dorsey as an OC. So I I could see them trying to get him a new QB coach or maybe someone in there, maybe a better backup to like develop him more like a veteran. But uh, I think he's still raw and needs help. Yeah, I'll keep it quick on this one. I have. Um... Drafted Stefan Diggs, my number one player this year in fantasy. So I've been always paying attention to the Bills games with much interest. And for whatever reason, Josh Allen has just not been looking his way a lot the last like few games. Honestly, it's kind of started around um, this last game too. Around Thanksgiving, I felt like this started. It's kind of been going ever since then. He's just been looking for basically everyone on the field except for Stefan Diggs. And I don't really understand why when he was such a heavy target base, but it just tells me that they're changing some things on offense and 
Josh Allen really hasn't quite caught up to whatever the new plan is just yet. And yeah, like Brian was saying, they seem a little like just discombobulated out there, which is kind of why I'm taking a step back on thinking that they're the Super Bowl favorites right now, because offense just does not look as fluid and as consistent as it was in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. The Saints played the Browns. Saints somehow as a dome team went into the freezing rotunda known as Cleveland, Ohio, and went in their house and embarrassed them. I think Deshaun Watson is clearly not good at this moment or anymore. I mean, another terrible game for him. The only thing to be positive about with Cleveland um, was their running game, and that was still mid. And, yeah, the Saints trying to make a push, even though the – with the Bucks win last week, the Bucks just beat Carolina this week. They locked the division, but at least uh, the Saints trying to make a push in a meaningful game for them, and you can respect that. This team would be in wild card contention if Jacoby Brissett was the starting quarterback for the Bengals game and every game going forward from that, including this game. They would have beat the Bengals. They would have beat the Saints because it's the way the game was going, even though it was 23-10 against the Bengals. They just had inconsistent quarterback play that game. That really cost them that uh, game. Same thing here. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, this might this. I personally think that this might be a worse signing than the Russell Wilson signing, in my opinion, just because of mm. the, the sheer fact that you know of he Deshaun Watson is in his prime. Like Russell Wilson was always going to be a bad contract because he's past. He's basically past his prime and. He was getting a big contract, and it wasn't ever going to pan out correctly, regardless if he played well this this, uh, season. Deshaun Watson is supposed to be in his prime right now. These are the prime years for Deshaun. He's supposed to be putting up 4,500 passing yards, 35 TDs, and 15 interceptions. That's his kind of guy, putting up 600 yards rushing and like six touchdowns. And we're not seeing it. Um, I'm a little worried that this scheme does not fit Deshaun Watson. He never had a heavy run scheme in the Texans in Houston. Um, it never happened. You know what I mean? They, they had Lamar Miller and like Marlon and then Lamar Miller and like Alfred Blue, I think, were the two running backs while he was there. Nothing crazy, but he had Will Fuller, Braxton Miller, um, I've, uh, Ryan Griffin at tight end. He had dudes that could make plays and, set, and have separation in the passing game. And yes, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, great. Uh, Mari Cooper is a great separation guy. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a great deep threat guy. But I don't see uh, enough shifty skill kind of guys like Will Fuller um, that re- or this offensive scheme that really fits Deshaun Watson or the players around him. Like having Jarvis Landry on this team would have been huge for Deshaun Watson because he likes to be mobile and escape, and those kind of guys get open for him. So I have a feeling that it, this might have to be like some type of a coaching change, not a coaching change, but like philosophy change in the offseason because they might have to become a little bit more balanced um, for him to succeed in this uh, at this team. Look at that. Look at that. And Yeah, they're, they're passing more than running ever since he's gotten there. And I see that, but it's still – it's still like a heavy run orientated, even the way they pass. It's in. Oh, no, my, my point was going to say like, that's not who scheme. the Browns are supposed to be. That's not what this team was built for. They were built around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. 
And now both those backs would take more and more, more and more runs out of the shotgun, which is always, you know, is a less effective way of running the football because Deshaun Watson isn't as good at under center. They've scored what, six, 10, like 13. And then like what, 10 points again, offensively in the, in the four games that he's been there. If Russell Wilson wasn't such a flame out in Denver, we would be blitzing this guy as being the worst like offseason acquisition. And he honestly, he deserves it. He really does. I mean, he looked terrible out there. And I do not understand like what it is that's happening. If it's just, you know, like they're not sure how to scheme it correctly or if he's just like falling off that dramatically. But, you know, honestly, they would be in a better position right now if Joe Kobe Brissett was the quarterback. And I, I think at the very least, you have to ask Sean Watson to get under center and just, you know, like run the ball more. They should be running more than passing. If you're this bad, you know, like coming back off of your two year hiatus, then you need to be focusing more on running the football and stop trying to like justify his contract by having him drop back and pass 30 times a game. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree. I, I think it's a lot of different things. I think him not playing for a year, then you have the offense that was doing pretty decent with Jacoby halfway through the year. And then all of a sudden you throw Watson into the equation and you shift everything up. And I think it just caused a lot of disruptions along this offense. And I just think everyone's just been confused on what is their identity. And I think it's just because you throw in a, a new starter that you paid a bunch of money. Uh, and now you have to change philosophies halfway through the season when everyone knew that this team could run the ball really well. And now you're passing more. I, I think it was – this year is kind of a weird year uh, just due to the fact that everything that's going on, but it's also throwing in a starting quarterback halfway through the year and hoping everything clicks. And uh, I think hopefully for Browns fans, Watson works really hard this offseason and comes in ready to go. And like everyone else is saying, if they change their philosophies a little bit to make things a little bit more balanced or whatever the case might be, but right now it's not working. And I don't know if these next two weeks they say, you know what, Deshaun, let's just go back to what was working and then you can throw here and there and get back into game speed these next few weeks and then really we can hit the offseason hard and, and get everything ready to go. Um, yeah, it's just confusing as this guy was looked at as a top five talent uh, when he was in the league and now he's back and he looks like a bottom tier quarterback. So uh, I think there's a lot of questions with Cleveland. Um, I think there's a lot of just the disruption of just throwing into Watson midway through the year and hope that everyone else gelled around them. And that's just not the case right now. I'll say, I make this point. When has a pass oriented quarterback ever done well with a run first offense with a stud North and South runner and Nick Chubb? In my opinion, the only one I could think is Troy Aikman and Evan Smith. Yeah. Probably no, you a long know, time ago. You know what I'm saying? So, like, maybe that that's what he should do, study some Aikman clips, like, get him, like, Deshaun might needs to, you know, his his bread and butter will have to be play action. Yeah. That's what it's with Nick Chubb there. Like, that's the only way to run that offense. Um, So, it, this is, you know, this is why in the off, you know, making a trade like this, you have to look into these intangibles. So, I hope they had, did. But at the same time, it's Deshaun Watson. You know, I don't really give a fuck about him. Um, But, like, so let's see him crumble. But at the same time, I feel better for this Browns team because they have enough players to be a playoff team this year. So it's a shame. So, next game to discuss right here, right now, we have the Seahawks and the Chiefs. This was going to be a game to bet in favor of the Chiefs because when you saw those players acting like tough guys, shirtless on the field during warm-ups, you knew that uh, they were not going to back that up. And now they have 
very tough road ahead. They need a lot of help in their playoff scenarios to get a playoff spot. So the first focus on the Seahawks with this. What happened? We were so high on them. Kenneth Walker, Geno Smith, Pete Carroll, and they just keep losing, losing, losing. And um, now they're going to need help. They need to have the Giants, even though they have tiebreakers over Washington and the Giants, they still need them, you know, they have a more complicated scenario. It's not as cutthroat. They obviously have to win out, and the Giants have to lose out, and then Seattle ha- and then Washington has to lose at least once. Um, it's it's more complicated, and um, but regardless, with the Seahawks on the brink of their disaster, and um, I think even though for a team that nobody expected, they thought this was going to be a last place team. They thought they were going to be a top five pick team, and despite the push that they made. Um, it still would give a sour taste in your mouth, I think, if you're a um, Seahawks fan. But um, how do we feel about this, especially for Desmond? Who saw, I, I want to throw it to him first for someone who's very high on this team now. After this loss against Kansas City, how do you feel about them at this point? At no point did I ever think they were going to win this game. I mean, you're going to play the Chiefs in Kansas City. I mean, I thought the Seahawks were a bounce-back team. I thought, they, I thought earlier that they might go to the playoffs, but... I mean, it's a tall task to ask anyone to go into Kansas City and win that game. So I'm not really too down on them for losing this game. But Mm -hmm. honestly, I think it just really comes down to the fact that the Seahawks have been struggling because, for one, they were a team that was based off balance. Like they 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 were never going to be able to ask, you know, Smith to be this, you know, this amazing top 10 quarterback and go out there and light up the league. He was having such high completion percentage and he was having, you know, like a great efficiency because they were able to play a balanced attack where they were able to run the ball a lot, ask him to do short throws, you know, play action off of that. And when you lose your running backs, when your offensive line gets banged up, you're going to take a dip and he's better than we thought he was, but he's not a top 10 quarterback, if you know what I mean. So it's a little bit in between there with Geno Smith. So yeah, they kind of came a little bit back down to earth, but you know, even at their best, I didn't think they could win this game. I, um, I still think they have a chance to get into the playoffs, but I don't like their chances right now. I think my money's on Detroit snagging that last playoff spot. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it just comes down to um, the defense not being able to finish games for them. Because in their eight losses this season, um, besides the first um, 49ers game and this Chiefs game, they lost 21 to 13, 30 to 24, 21 to 16, 40 to 34, 39 to 32, and 27 to 23. So they're losing these close scoring games. And, mo- and that always comes down to defense at the end of the day. Your defense just cannot stop the offense in the last drives or just throughout the game time of possession and we know the defense is bad we know that the fact that they're even at seven wins is amazing this season um i would like to see them make the playoffs because it's a good story for geno smith but uh what what this is this is growing pants they get a couple of players in the draft you know get a couple of free agent guys this offseason next season will be the true test to see what happens with the seattle seahawks under geno smith yeah uh, i agree with, with with both what you guys said uh, I don't think they're making the playoffs. It was a great start for Gino, great story for Gino. I think he locked himself as the starter, at least for next season. Um, but, yeah, their defense just really has fallen off. Uh, and now we're seeing the holes, and uh, they're just 
uh, just hit the wall. And sometimes that happens. With teams that have really, really good starts, they they start showing, they start plateauing, and we're seeing what this team really is, which is they're a few pieces away of being really, really solid. I don't think any of us thought they were going to be this team hunting for the playoffs. I think all of us thought, like Matt said at the start, they were going to be a team with the top five pick. It's a really good story. Um, it's always great to see Seattle in the playoffs. They have a great home crowd when they have home advantage. But, um, but yeah, I think they just hit the mark. Uh, they hit the wall, and this is what they are. And I think they're going to miss playoffs. I like Detroit make that last playoff spot. But I think this team's poised to have a good year next year. Um, I think Gino showed that, uh, what he can do, and they add a few more pieces, uh, you know, maybe uh, solidify this defense a little bit. And I think this is to be a team to, to watch out for next year. Put it like this, I hope they lose the last two games because if you're just going to make the wild card seventh seed and then lose anyway because they're not going to beat the 49ers in that bracket, what's the point? Get a good draft pick and build. So moving forward, I want to focus on this game, the Panthers and the Lions. Now, Lions have been quite the topic we just, and um, Desmond, you talked about them just now. You still think they can make the playoffs, and I like see them. I like to see them pull it off too. But this game against Carolina, where Detroit, Detroit went in there and did not step up. They lose twenty-three to thirty-seven. It might almost be an example of the Lions being the Lions. However, like I mentioned, they're still on the hunt now. If they lose this week against Chicago and Washington wins, we'll eliminate them from the playoffs. <clears throat> so you need the best case scenario for them is that the Lions win out and that the Commanders lose out. And despite all that, and this very ugly showing, and props to also Sam Darnold looking good once again, he clearly has some motives in him playing a really great game. DJ Moore was stellar. Um, the running game has, been, um, has stepped up. Give credit to the interim head coach for getting this team motivated. And uh, the Panthers, a lot of respect for where they were just a few weeks ago. But just focusing on the lines here. And despite um, their obstacles to get to win that spot, which isn't impossible, you do have to admit this was not a game you wanted to see them play in such a crucial, in such a crucial scenario. You know, I was telling the guys before we started recording that uh, I went back and looked at our picks from last week. And while I did the worst of everyone on the panel, I did say that I thought that the Lions were just going to find a way to lose this game. And you guys all laughed at me when I said yeah. that. <laughs> and I was just like, we're going to walk in here next Tuesday and be like, I don't know how they lost, but they lost. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I mean, the Lions defense has really improved over these last like several weeks, but they got blitzed on the ground, giving up what 300 yards rushing, something like that. Yeah, yeah. it was 320 and three touchdowns. It's incredibly, you know, I mean, and that's on a day where Jared Goff throws for over 300 yards passing. So, I mean, it wasn't like they weren't putting up points, but yeah, the Lions defense after completely rebounding these last like seven weeks just completely took a nap. I don't know if they just like didn't take Carolina seriously or if they just didn't have a didn't know how to adjust to what was happening. But, you know, Freeman and Hubbard just absolutely crushed them. And, and, and you know, I, I think they could be the seventh seed. But if they're going to keep putting up performances like that, I mean, that might be I mean, they might not win another game this year. 
Yeah, I think it's it's a setback game for that defense. Like they were playing above what they actually are the last few weeks. So this was a very humbling back to earth of being the worst defense in the league. Um, but I, what I really focus on is the lack of the run game for Detroit. Like the last few weeks, they've had no ability to run the football. Um, what happened to Jamal Williams, who would get a touchdown every single game, FL every week. And I don't know. I suggest you, but DeAndre Swift is looking like a bust or is he just underutilized because of Williams? But like, why isn't, in my opinion, your best athlete on the field outside of Amon Ross and Brown as DeAndre Swift not getting, you know, more opportunities in a pass game and in the rush? Like, in my opinion, he can't have four carries in a game. Jamal Williams can't have just seven carries. Like, I get it. You're an offensive pass happy team first, but like in a game against Carolina, you know, the run game would have helped for them. Um, when it comes to Carolina, you know, I'm impressed as always. I think Sam Darnold showing us that he's going to probably get another year down in Carolina, it looks like, or at least be able to, like, you know, compete in the offseason. Um, they found their two stud. Uh, I count one stud running back in Foreman, and Hubbard's a good change of pace guy. Um, but I really want to give kudos to Steve Wilkes. In my opinion, I think they should hire him next season as their full-time head coach. He's galvanized this Carolina team um, into competing for that uh, divisional spot at the fourth uh, for the NMC South. So kudos to them for a good win, and Detroit has to wake up. Uh, wake up. Uh, I, I, I agree as well. Um, just off Brian's point, uh, I don't know why they shied away from Williams and Swift in this game. I know Williams got banged up a little later, um, but – what was clicking for them was that they had Williams in between the tackles and you had Swift coming out, catching passes and getting handoffs. And for some reason they did not use them. And it's just really weird when you have a game like this, where you utilize two of your best athletes, I think on the team. Um, it was very, very weird. I think it was a trap, not a trap game, but it this, this defense didn't show up as well, but it was just weird to see this offense. And I got lucky in my fantasy. I have DeAndre Swift. I, I love DeAndre Swift. Um, I was, lucky to win this week, but it just beside my like, why is he only getting this amount of touches? Like every time the Lions do well, it's Williams and him just wreaking havoc in certain aspects of the game, whether that's Williams hitting the holes and then he's catching out of the backfield and, you know, being the safety blanket for golf and chucking up big plays. It's just weird that they kind of reverted away from what was being successful and they really need to get back to what they were doing to get into position to make the playoffs. Otherwise, I think it'd be another unfortunate end for the Lions, which we all want to see the Lions have success and get finally back into the postseason, but they cannot play like this again. They really need to bottle up here, especially with these two crucial final games of the year. Uh, <coughs> a playoff spot. Is Goff the guy? I think Goff's the guy. At this point. I think Goff's the guy. I think Goff's the guy. I got no problems with Goff. Goff is the guy, and he's there to stay. So, Ravens and Falcons. Ravens win 17 and 9. And even though the Ravens secured a playoff spot out of this game and seems the vibe around the country is that they're still not taking seriously. As we still await the return of Lamar Jackson, and it was mentioned earlier, he's been wishy washy. And regardless, after his season ends, should he go to another team? That it seems to be a real and distinct possibility. But you know, the Falcons aren't going to do it. This is their year. They are eliminated officially. They're still waiting for his first touchdown as a starter in this league. But um, focus on the Ravens, though. You know, I've talked back and forth. This is, it seems that the defense did step up even against a weaker team. The Ravens, do we think this is 
much better team when Lamar Jackson comes back or just ride it out with Tyler Huntley and see what you could do with there. And if this is going to be the team of your future, especially if you're not going to have Lamar Jackson, might as well see with what we got here. No, you need Lamar back ASAP. Uh, You need him back ASAP. Like I said a few weeks ago, he's seeing the money increase with him being out there. This team looks completely different than on offense than when he's not in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that was proven. But again, they usually have the backups that kind of like are similar to Lamar, but no one's Lamar Jackson. I think this Ravens team really needs him back Uh, just because of how much respect defenses command on him because he can run. He can kill you with short bats. He can throw the occasional deep ball. Um, I think the Ravens team really wants him back because they're very, very good. They're they're really talented on offense once he's kind of there. But I know he kind of has some iffy moments, but again, he is a MVP of this league. He's a very, 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 very good quarterback. Um, so I think his team is different, and they're just counting down the days till he's back on the field because I think a lot of us are going to be surprised to see what this Ravens team can do once he comes back. You know, I want to look to the future a little bit here because, you know, the Ravens are going to the playoffs. That's official now. If Lamar doesn't come back, I think this week, I don't think they're going to be the five seed. I think they're going to be the six seed. I think the Chargers are going to pop up and take that five seed from them. And if the Ravens aren't the five seed, they have no chances of winning a first round playoff game. Because if they have to face Buffalo or Cincinnati in that first round, I mean, goodbye. (laughs) So, you know, I, I mean, for them, their entire like, you know, chances of getting to the divisional round kind of hinge on Lamar coming back, I think this week. And if he doesn't just just forget about it. But personally, you know, I think this Ravens team's one and done regardless. I think that even if they face Jacksonville, they're one and done. Um, Ravens have looked completely underwhelming, even when Lamar's been on the field they got to blow this thing up and start over. Like, this is not a good football team. They've been skating off of just winning based off Lamar's talent and nothing more. And I hate the construction of this entire team top to bottom. I, I think they're entirely fool's gold. I agree. I think they're the worst team in both conferences um, in the playoffs right now. I think they're the 14th team. I, I would take Washington over them just because at least Washington has a capable offense, regardless of Heineke or... Um, Wentz is the quarterback. Um, so I have I have the Ravens as the 14th. I have the Tampa Bay over them. Uh, I just don't see them being capable. Yeah, you have a good defense, but defense doesn't score points. You're not a scoring defense, so it doesn't matter. Um, and your offense and they've is, blown a lot of games this year too. Yeah, they've blown a lot of yeah. games, and they're and the offense is is lethargic. Like yeah, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins put up rushing yards. We know that they're going to put up rushing yards, but like Sammy Watkins can be. The only the only receiver with forty yards, and then Mark Andrews has forty five yards from the tight end position. Like it's it's ridiculous. I think they have a lot of trade assets. I think they could trade a guy like Dobbins and Edwards. I think they could trade Mark Andrews. I think they could trade some people on defense, get some draft picks, and rebuild. But like they need to blow this up. I agree with you, Desmond. I think they should fire the head coach. Um, I think that um his time is. You just need a, you need a regime change. I think it's just done. Um. His way of winning is old and outdated for this NFL, and it's not really working. I think he could find a job somewhere else as, the, as a special teams coordinator or maybe higher up in, like, organizational positions. But I see Harborough gone. Um, yeah, that's my take. Maybe he'll go to Michigan. Maybe they do a switch, and they, the brother comes and play, uh, coaches the Ravens. The Texans beat the Titans. They snapped a nine-game losing streak. Yay! Titans. 
definitely, if we talk about teams with the ugliest collapse this season, this Titans team is definitely up there. I mean, yeah, this team isn't going to win the division, even if they're technically still in it. I think they're going to just, you know, die a slow burning death as this whole season has been. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see Houston win more than one game this year. Keeps Lovey Smith's job. I think the Titans are the worst team in football right now. I think that the Colts might be better than Stop. them just because no, no, the the Broncos, son. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, Brett Ripon does put up points for that though. Right when Brett Ripon is quarterback, they put up points. It's when Russell Wilson's quarterback. So Brett Ripon's Broncos currently is better than the Tennessee Titans. If the Broncos have- are facing the Titans tomorrow, you're picking the Broncos. Yeah, I am because Derrick no. Henry's going to be hurt. Derrick Henry's hurt, and listen, put it like this: they lost to the Texans, and Derrick Henry put up 126 yards and a touchdown. You can't the running a run first offense. It does not win anymore. It's done. That era of football is over. It is not the 70s anymore. It worked a little bit the last few seasons, but it's completely changed now. You have to throw the football. They can't win. They can't win. They might not win another game this season. Like you can't. Malik Wilson is a myth. He's a development guy. Tannehill's ass. Henry is just getting worked to death. They have Robert Woods as their best receiver, and he's off an ACL and still technically healing. Like this team is is awful. The only reason why they win close games is because Derrick Henry can get first downs and run out the clock. And you know, okay, cool, but like you can't win a playoff game and. All right, so you win time of possession games, but that doesn't mean you're a good football team. In my opinion, Tennessee is the worst football team in the NFL right now. The Colts put up more yards than them in the last you know three what? games. Just for just for the listeners out there, I would take the Titans over the Colts, over the Broncos, um, the Falcons. Yeah, that is something to say. A seven-win team is the worst <laughs> I mean, in football. But, I mean, but you're teams, not wrong, though. All those teams put up more offensive yards than this Titans team, and they have better defenses if you really think about it. I'm just saying I think that Titans are, are now backsliding into being a bottom-five team, unfortunately. I, I have the same tickets I had about the Ravens. you got to blow them up. Like, this team is dysfunctional. I don't see anything. I mean, you don't want to just be consent like consistently mid. And that's what they are. You know, like if you're if you're not working on being a great team, you have to blow it up and go get some draft picks, rebuild your organization. They're a mid team every year. Even when they were the one seed last year, no one took them seriously. And they got bounced in their first you know time out there. So I mean, yeah, move on. I I think, you know, I don't even like Malik Willis. I would just draft another yeah. quarterback in the first round right, yeah. if you could. No, um, there's nothing to blow up. He looks like a lost besides Derek. Well, yeah. I besides, mean, like just besides Derrick Henry and Jeffrey Simmons, they have no assets. Right. But they they've been trying to build picks. a team around Derrick Henry. I'm saying I think it's time to even move on from Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, I maybe see if you can't old. like get see if you can't trade him to somebody who would be willing to pay a decent ransom for a Derrick Henry services. I think the Eagles would. You think he's worth the first round pick? No. To the no, right I team. Think, to the right team. Yeah. It depends on which team you're asking. I think second, a second round pick and a, maybe a player. Third round pick and a yeah, second or third round pick and a player. He's just, he has too much wear on him. This is like, that's like, it's, it's like, I remember DeMarco Murray with Dallas. Like, you run him to the ground and then he leaves in a free agency, will sign a big deal and then he'll never amount to anything. Like, it's a lot of wear and tear. And especially like, this the last five games right now are probably taking a year off his career. I think on the right team, he's a difference maker. 
I mean, but you know, it's gotta be the right situation. I would think I agree with that Henry, too. I would think it'd be it would have to be similar to what how, what the 49ers gave up to get McCaffrey. Like I think you would have to do a similar deal that Titans would even engage with that. If if they do get a first round pick, great. But if not, it has to be at least a second, a third, and a couple fourth or wait other price picks to get Henry. I think that's what the Titans will listen to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm not saying there's a worse team in the NFL, but they're on a huge downward spiral. Um, I love Vrabel as coach, but he, he can. He probably is going to get fired at the end of this year. Um, and it's unfortunate. And that stinks because he is a good coach. Yeah, he's a good coach. He's, he'll, get he's up, he'll, get some, he'll get picked up somewhere else. He could be. Yeah. They, they might. They might stick around with him and say, you know what? Like you will help build the future of this team. You know, we like you. It's just. Year didn't work out. We have to hit the reset button. You know, we got to do whatever. And if he sticks around, he sticks around. But um, yeah, uh, I think all of us last year weren't afraid of the Titans. We knew what they were. They were kind of a one-trick pony with 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 Henry just having a dominant year and Tannehill not making mistakes. And now you're seeing this team, and they're just trying to do the same thing. And now everyone is knows what their offense is and bottling it all up. Um, I mean, even and they fire the GM too. Yeah, yeah. Fire, but even when the, the Giants played them, like what the Giants do well, they just bottled up Henry. <laughs> they ended up winning that game off, you know, but seeing that and now we're seeing the struggles, it's like all these teams are like, all right, we just have to try to stop Henry and we could probably walk away with a win. And now that's why this tiny team got a spiral. Uh, Jaguars probably with the vision, and I think they'll probably like you know everyone's saying they'll probably look hard to be like, all right, is it time to blow this up? And if so, what are people willing to go for Henry and whatever else we can? Could we have to hit the reset button and get assets? Definitely, man. Definitely. San Francisco played the Commanders. They win thirty-seven twenty. Rock Purdy staying undefeated. How about that? And George Kittle, some duo so far. I think they have four touchdowns amongst each other already. Good yeah. stuff there. Um, good in their offense, just giving everybody an opportunity to make big plays. Washington winds up. I think Taylor Heineke after this game. Carson Wentz is coming in. Washington has that seventh seed at the moment, but we know we have mentioned the teams that are trying to be hungry and take it away. When it's all said and done, and we know about the 49ers, I think there's not much else to add, but they're continuing every week to show why they are one of the best, if not the best team in the entire league. They won their eighth in a row, and everything just clicks on all aspects of the ball. They're, it's almost like they were what the Bills are going to be, but um, now it's what the 49ers are taking over, and Brock Purdy, you, you cannot be more comfortable with him as the starting quarterback. They are in a good spot. And um, if we're talking a few weeks to see if Jimmy G is going to be healthy, I think Brock Purdy's the one to stay. I think he's definitely earned at least starts in the playoffs. Do you guys agree with that to start it off? Uh, here's my issue. Jimmy G, when making the playoffs, does have this clutch factor about him where he knows how to win games in the playoffs. He brought them to the Super Bowl. He beat Dallas last year. Like, he has that ability. I think you have to ride with the hot hand, but yet Purdy will have a tight leash uh, in a divisional round. Um, or the, if, if they make it to the divisional round of the wild card. Um, so I see that. Um, but I think going forward next season, I think that if he plays well, Purdy, this is their guy. And they're in an amazing situation where 
they could trade Trey Lance and get a nice pick, you know, some type of pick, get some compensation, um, you know, which is good. At least he won't walk. So they'll have, they could get another asset for that. Jimmy G will go, but I, I like Purdy a lot. I think this team has a lot of potential. They're the most well-rounded team in football in my eyes. Um, and they have, they could, they could really go the distance. All right. You know, all right. I, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be too reactionary about this. I mean, you're not going to take out Brock Purdy if he's doing well, and he hasn't shown any signs that he can't handle every moment. So, I mean, even if yeah, Jimmy G is available, very, very good teams. Yeah. If Jimmy G is available, they'll have him on standby in case the kids start struggling. But otherwise I think they're just going to ride this kid out for the rest of the year. And on the commander's side of this, um, schedule's looking favorable for them. I mean, I didn't think they would make the playoffs. I still kind of don't, but Once it started, you can't you, you can't deny the fact that their last two mm-hmm. games are at home and they're facing the Browns who so have nothing to play for, and the Cowboys might be sitting week 18 because they might be just be locked into that fifth seed. So, you know, the the schedule is lined up for the commanders to actually uh to win out. Yeah, if um, uh, just to mention the way that they can punch a playoff berth this week in particular, if they win, plus a Browns and Lions loss, plus a Seahawks loss, plus a Packers loss, if all four teams, all four, if all four of those teams lose, and the Commanders win, then the Giants and and if the Giants win, um, that will secure the NFC playoffs in that sense. So, um, <laughs> they need some help, but you like you said, Desmond odds are in their favor. With, but the question is, can Carson Wentz lead them after uh, being sidelined for such a long time with his injury? Nah, bad move by them. I'm sorry, but like Heineke, even like even though he had a bad game, he's played better statistically than Carson Wentz, a little bit better, and the team loves him. They galvanize around him. This is breaking up the juju. They've been winning games. We knew they weren't going to beat the 49ers. So like, what's the, like what is like the shock? that, oh, I think he had a bad game against the 49ers. Well, he's playing the best defense in the league. And the pick he threw, it's an interception. It happens. He still had a QBR of 84.1 and a quarterback rating of 114.6. Like, you can't ask him to do anything else against that team. So he had a good game, in my opinion, besides that one interception. The offense is lackluster just because that's the offensive scheme. You know, you're playing with an average quarterback in an average offense. That's that's the reality. I don't know what Rivera wants to like think that Wentz is going to pull an MVP like Eagles. That's done with Wentz. He has ghosts in his head flying around at all times. Has no idea what's going on. You know when he hits that when he hits the turf. So I think because of this change, they will lose. I, I honestly think that if Carson Wentz starts the next two games, they will lose out and miss the playoffs. You know, I, I think these decisions are made a, a lot of times not because they make sense, but because they're trying to like protect other people because Heineke is the better quarterback. And I think everyone knows that, but I think when you make a decision to bring on a contract like Carson Wentz has, it almost feels like sometimes they make these decisions as far as being able to be like justifying the contract. Like, Oh, we got to have him out there because we're paying him so much. We don't want to make the front office look bad because there's no football logic to this. Heineke was the better measurable quarterback in every way you can think of, you know, Carson Wentz just looks like a quarterback because he's what he's 6'5, 230, but no, he hasn't looked good since 2017. You, you don't have to be a genius to recognize that. Yeah. Um, it was weird to me that with them going to Wentz, um, because I think Heineke's done well enough to at least handle the rest of the season. And I, I, I agree with you, Desmond. I think they're just doing it 
to try to justify getting Wentz on board for here and, and all that. And I think it's just going to backfire. And then with the 49ers real quick, yeah, I agree with what everyone said. Uh, I think he's right with the hot hand, but he's on a short leash in the playoffs. Uh, everything matters, obviously. Um, and we'll see how, uh, how pretty he is uh, against, you know, one of these top teams or, you know, one of the, the better teams that made the postseason, right? We'll see when, when the, you know, all the, all the lights are on him. Uh, if he delivers or not, but if you're not, then and hopefully you know Jimmy G is healthy enough to play, and they have a security blanket in a their quality starting quarterback. So uh, yeah, with the 49ers, you know I don't know about next year if you're the guy. I think they'll give Trey Lance uh, over Purdy, but they see they have a you know a window here of having at least two quality guys. Um, so that always helps them. But yeah, uh, I think you just ride with it. The team's working well with him. Um, but like everyone else said, uh, just short leash and hopefully Jimmy G's healthy enough that he can just be like, all right, I got this and step in and, and lead them to a win. With, with very mixed feelings, with very bittersweet feelings on a December, on a Christmas Eve, sorry, with very sweet feelings on a Christmas Eve evening, we had the Raiders play the Steelers amongst the passing of the late great Franco Harris and the Steelers respond by rallying past the Raiders. Now this was not a good game to watch. It was very, very tough to watch. In fact, and I don't know about Kenny Pickett guys, but he hasn't shown me any reason why he's going to be anything special. Maybe he's good enough to get another to at least start at the beginning of this season. But man, while they were trying to make that comeback, I just didn't feel like he's going to, create such a great touchdown and they, especially in late game scenarios Kenny Pickett just isn't there but regardless they got the win with Franco Harris and his family and that's what matters most and this game on the other side for the Raiders Derek Carr throwing three interceptions not hitting any of his major assets and he is now benched for the rest of the season and Stidham is the guy for the final two games of the season yeah so that's what we say. With uh, maybe it'd be impressive if the Steelers can win out, so that Mike Tomlin continues his streak of you know so many seasons above five hundred, and the Raiders' future. I think that's the interesting story right here. Where are the Raiders going now in this the messiest season ever um, for them, arguably since like the Jamarcus Russell years? And it's too bad we don't have the Raiders fan here to, to hear his take on it. But for everyone else, guys, clearly Derek Carr is done in Vegas. You know, I think Alex should go in place of Alex for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, I know I laugh at the Raiders a lot uh, just because. And it was uh, a a hard game to watch, as we said, but... Uh, just great job at the Steelers for Rodford Franco Harris as he did the late great Franco Harris. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I think this question going forward is what the hell are the, o- or the Oakland? What the heck are the Vegas Raiders doing? Um, because you just benched the guy who the star receiver you landed wanted to go there for, and now yeah. for him. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks. Um, you know, I think I think Derek. Uh, that is a rough game. I I don't blame him for anything on the season so far. I think coaching, I think a lot of other things. Um, I think he's a really solid quarterback in this league, and I think whatever team he lands on next, he's going to be very happy to be out of that situation because it's just everything that can go wrong does go wrong in Vegas for whatever reason it might be. 
Um, so, you know, just seeing that news today, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, it's been a rough year, but let your guy finish the year and go on from there. If you want to move on or whatever. I know he has a big contract here, and a lot of people are saying this is the excuse now that they're going to bench him to try to find a way for him to whatever fail his physical or the case would be something avoid the last year of his contract. Um, but it's just better. That's petty. Yeah, it's petty. It's very confusing. This guy has done nothing but show up for you guys, battle through injuries, try to help this team win. Um, and you're doing this. And like I said, I don't think the, the blame is solely on Carr. Yes, could have had a better year with the things he had around him, but that team's just a mess from coaching the front office to everything else in between. Um, and, you know, I saw a stat today that not once has Derek Carr played with a top 15 defense in the league. Uh, he's always been with 20 or below. Um, so, you know, again, defense gave up that touchdown. They had to lose that game. We've seen them just blow lead after lead. Um, we've seen miracles happen on this Raiders defense. Um, so, again, you know, I would keep out of this. What the hell are they doing? What are they thinking? I have no idea. Um, just another ugly loss. Um, and, yeah, we just have to see what happens on. But, if, um, you know, speaking for Alex, the other Alex, like, <laughs> today, I am furious. I'm absolutely furious because you really have we have no idea what this team is going to do in the future because he gave up picks and all this other stuff. It's just an absolute mess. And I think all of the Vegas fans, even the Oakland fans who you know transferred over, I think all of them are furious and annoyed because they got promised the world, and now they're looking like they might be one of the worst over the next you know five, ten years without the outlook of this team right now. He cried for you. And this is how you pay him back. I have never felt worse for, I think, a player ever in my years of watching football. Um, I've, besides Tony Romo constantly getting beat to, beat to high hell and always getting hurt and giving his all, when I see Derek Carr, I think of Tony Romo. Um, in his prime years, uh, two two point five to one TD to interception quarterback, efficient, good completion percentage, could give you a game winning drive, gave you his all, play through injuries. This had grit to him, um, but never had any real supporting cast. Does have a good defense, like Alex said, and never above twenty. You know. Had weapons now, but he used to not have weapons. Like, mind you, he had Michael Crabtree, was like his best receiver um, at one point. Like, that's sad. Um, in his past, his prime. Um, in Sorry, early receiver like Crabtree. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> he gave it to all. He gave it to all to this franchise, and they spat in his face. Like, yeah, you, in my opinion, this is a McDaniel's decision of benching Carr because he brought over his experiment that he's been having since the Patriots, Jared Stidham. McDaniels likes Jared Stidham. He wants to see him succeed. So here's the perfect out. Play Jared Stidham. He gets to see his boy sort of shine, maybe, and he could cut Carr. You know, it's always a regime change. Like, yeah, Carr got them Adams, and now they want to try to find a bigger fish for Adams. Maybe that this was their plan all along. They want to get Aaron Rodgers. So they got Adams over with Carr. They would jump Carr at the end of the season, and then they would try to get Aaron Rodgers over there in Vegas. Be perfect. Or maybe they go for Tom Brady. That would be a very Vegas thing to do. Um, low-key makes sense. It does low-key make sense. 
Uh, it's all about media and making money. And that's what Davis Davis is like Jerry Jones. He just wants to make money. So you're in a big area, big media markets, Vegas, a lot of gambling. You have a top receiver, get the goat at quarterback. Who cares if they're good or sell tickets? Maybe they'll get Gronk at tight end with Waller just to put the icing on the cake. That'd be a, some hell of an offseason. But it's really a shame for Derek Carr because this man gave it his all. And I hope wherever he goes, um, he has people around him to actually support him for once in his career. Because if you guys remember in 2016, that man broke his fibula mm-hmm. against the Colts and he mm-hmm. tried so hard to play that playoff game. He was literally talking about getting like um, fibula. <laughs> a cast, a, a rod put in wow. and to try to play like T.O. in the Super Bowl. He tried everything to try to convince them to play and they didn't do it. They had Connor Cook start. I'm pretty sure they got like tattooed. I'm in that game, but he's done everything right. Um, and it's never been enough for them. So I, hopefully he goes to a good team that he gets, he gets loved by the fan base and the organization. Jets, give him a call. Yes. Jets got to be calling everybody this off season. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it real short. Um, I'm putting the blame on McDaniels for this one. The Raiders were a better team last year. They went on, got the best wide receiver in the NFL and they got worse. Like, they they were better off with the with the regime that they had previously to this, and just another misstep by this Raiders organization trying to do too much. You know, I, I think McDaniel's has been an overall negative effect on the Raiders. Looking bad going forward. On the positive note, Steelers are on track to have another winning season, uh, playing the banged up Ravens and the Browns the last two games. So, um, Ravens seven seed. I'm sorry, Steelers seven seed. I mean. <laughs> That'd be an unbearable. In the words, in the words of our missing Alex, that would be an unwatchable, unbearable game to watch in that wild card. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny Pickett, my Kenny Pickett might have five interceptions that game. Yo, let's have some laughs. The Broncos played the Rams on Christmas in the afternoon. Shouts to Baker Mayfield. You win the MVP. Everything. That could go wrong, went wrong for the Denver Broncos. Did they score those 18 points? Nope. They scored 14. Oh, man. These guys really made that Ram team look amazing. And when Patrick Starr calls your interception like (laughs) they did for Russell Wilson, that's it. Season's over. You suck. You suck. You suck. Russell Wilson just straight. Who steals more money? Sam Bretman Freed or Russell Wilson? Like, seriously, this guy has that. I like what I literally I happen to watch that broadcast. I was interested to see how they handled it. I mean, I, I like these Nickelodeon broadcasts and um, Richard there, and so no bias there. But, anyways, just losing their fish in a row. But when Patrick Starr, when I knew when that Patrick Starr called that interception live in real time, too. I just knew that there's literally nothing redeeming, and it finally happened. The Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett. Wow. And Baker Mayfield, and I was going to say it again. I said it this week, uh, last week, and the week prior, he he really should start, stay as the Rams' starting quarterback moving forward, even if they are rebuilding. Shouts to Baker Mayfield winning the MVP. Thank God Nickelodeon didn't give the option for Russell Wilson because the internet would ruin that. Like they did with um with Mitch. 
he won the MVP losing against the Saints in a playoff game for the Bears. Yeah. Hilarious. What a game. What a game. Cam Akers um, killed my fantasy team, aggravated. Um, <laughs> why Why couldn't McVay just cut him, like, a couple of weeks ago? Like, caused me a lot of grief. Um, with the Broncos, I've never seen I've never seen this happen before. I've never seen such a bad football team. Like it actually, it really does amaze me. Like this team and the, this team is my tie with the Titans on worst team. As I think about it, just because it's like it's horrific. It's the worst signing ever. And I don't know if you guys read the article I sent you guys on Instagram today about is it really Nathaniel Hackett's fault when we saw all these signs with Russell Wilson over the years. He's he's had scapegoats and scapegoats and scapegoats, but a Pete Carroll, who in my opinion is a top three head coach ever in all football across all levels of success and just longevity and impact on the game, said it's time to go. I could win with I could win with Geno Smith, who before this season got all I really ever knew about was getting punched in the face in the locker room, like <laughs> like. And his, and his great West Virginia season, but like, what the fuck? Like, this is bad. Like, Russell Wilson is a thief. Like, he might need to go to jail for felony. Like, this is bad. For, I mean, not for felony. For, for yeah, for robbery. Uh, just bad, man. Like, this is nuts. I've never seen this before. Like, Brett Ripon's a better quarterback right now than Russell Wilson. It's so sad. There's fights between the backup quarterback had to stick up to stick up for the starting quarterback. To then yeah. almost fight with the offensive line, like Russell Wilson is a is a child. I don't even know what to call him. What's a baby? Like grow the fuck up, be a man. Like what are you doing out there, man? Has some accountability, Mister Unlimited. He has more interceptions than interceptions and bathrooms. It's 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 so it's it's sad. It's sad. I, I've never seen this before. I I hope I I hope they find a way. Maybe he'll retire this offseason, but I, I hope they find a way to get rid of him. I don't want to see him ever in the NFL ever again. I won't ever watch a Broncos game ever again while he's quarterback. I will. It's lots of comedy, lots of laughs. And, um, you know, I, I think this is the time they of the year. not we're show be, up. Well, we're supposed to be talking about playoff teams. And sorry if you spend too much time talking about the Rams and the Broncos because they're both <laughs> trash. You know, so we can save all that nonsense for the offseason conversations. Broncos suck. We know they suck. Best thing to come out of this week is that my prediction from like months ago that they wouldn't win more than five games is still on track. Very happy about this. And yeah, Baker Mayfield, congratulations. You are finding a way to stay, you know, like get yourself one more, you know, chance in this league. So congratulations to you. On to the next game. This game was terrible. Yeah, (laughs) this game was pretty terrible. Um all, all the time, I was thinking, Broncos country, let's die. I love, I love that meme um, just because it's just been just a disaster. Uh, yeah, the Patrick Starr interception is the highlight of the game the, for me. I was cracking up once I saw that clip. I thought it was hilarious um, that they were just making fun of uh, the Broncos and, and just how miserable it is. Um, yeah, I can really see over these next few weeks uh, – like a longest yard situation happening if Russell keeps on playing where like, you know, he calls hike and the whole offensive line just like ducks so that he can just get absolutely murdered. Um, I think it's just an absolute disaster what's going on right now. I could easily see that happening. Like I could, I'll find it, I'll find it funny because it's funny to Denver, but I can easily see longest yard Russell Wilson (laughs) 
coming out of the huddle calling hike and everyone's just like all right we just, yeah, yeah we're done uh so style yeah. just just an absolute disaster of a season we had such high hopes for them uh but yeah uh that's usually what happens um and russell looks terrible and like i said a few weeks ago uh, the Seahawks knew something that we all guess didn't know, and they look like geniuses right now because they got a boatload of picks and don't have to deal with this disaster anymore. Uh, so good luck, Broncos, because you're going to need it. And yeah, uh, Russ Wilson is a thief, and uh, I think that's what everyone's going to be saying over these next few years of that contract money. The Charger, sorry, the Cardinals and the Bucks played on Christmas night. And hey, almost it blew it. Overtime, Tom Brady keeps it keeps it uh, sturdy. Like we talked about, they just need to beat Carolina to clinch the division. Um, Tom McShirley wasn't exactly Tom McShirley of Penn State, but that wasn't much of a thing anyway. But um, regardless, Bucks keep it close, even though watching that offense is pure misery and a punishment but they are somehow likely going to win this division. And if they don't, shame on everybody there. Um, in this ugly game, Tampa Bay pulls it off. Um, quick thing, because I, no, I don't really want to talk about this game, but um, Fournette came out that, that he has a – I just – yeah, first off, I just, did a jer- I just did my own jersey swap for my opinion. <laughs> in my opinion, the greatest – Defensive player I've ever seen in my lifetime. JJ hey, I don't Watt. mean to interrupt. Um, yes, I was saying for those who are listening. Um, what did you do, Brian? For those who are listening, I just took my Emmett Smith jersey off and I just put on my Houston Texans JJ Watt jersey. A little jersey swap mm. here between uh, takes because the greatest defensive player in my lifetime, and I would say of maybe the last twenty years. Um, if you take out Ray Lewis because of you know maybe yeah, I like JJ Watt better. Um, is going to retire at the end of the season. And for some reason, I've been Nostradamus this season and calling J.J. Watt games. I just call, you know, flash in the pan back games. And I, I've never done that before. And maybe I had a feeling he was going to retire this uh, off season coming up. But kudos to a fantastic career. Um, it's a shame a few seasons got robbed by injuries. That's probably why he's retiring so early. I think he's only 33 years old. In my opinion, he could probably play till 36, but he's going to go off to the sunset with his new family. So God bless him on that. But uh, yeah, there's an overall generational talent and the world will never forget what J.J. Watt gave to this game and to the city of Houston raising $41.5 million, I believe, after that hurricane. A Walter Payton Man of the Year award, three-time defensive player of the year. This man is the definition of a good dude and a great football player. And I can't wait to see... Um, his future uh, going forward. Let's make sure we get a real, and he sees that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just completely agree with what Brian said. He just a game changer, probably the best offensive player we've seen um, over the last, you know, 10 years, just unbelievable. Uh, so props to him. Yeah. It was just weird that Brian could call his games like that. So everyone, uh, if we do put in the comments, who do you think Brian's next player? You should be no Thomas for, cause we're trying to figure that out who, should, who it should be. But I uh, just back to JJ Watt. Yeah. Just one of my favorite players, one of my favorite non giant players always have such respect for him for what he's done on the field and off the field. Obviously, as Brian mentioned, just so much stuff for the community. And, um, we need more players like him in our league and 
Uh, I wish him nothing but the best going forward. Uh, we're definitely going to miss him, um, but we're always going to remember all the highlights he had and, and being one of the, the best defensive players we've seen in a really long time. Always been a fan of J.J. Watt. I'm always a big fan of the people who are able to take their wealth and find a way to impact those in their communities who are struggling. So what he did for Houston after that hurricane was a really big deal in my mind. He's been doing a lot of humanitarian type efforts before that, since that great person overall. A brief thing about the game. You know, I want to talk about the Buccaneers for a second here. They play amazing in that no huddle offense. I cannot figure out why they don't run that the whole game. Because every time they do, they seem to click, you know, amazingly. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's like stubbornness or what the case may be, but Buccaneers seem a little. Uh, I'm starting to think that Carolina's going to take this division from them, but the way that they've been playing, it would not surprise me at all. Buccaneers look suspect. I don't really have a whole lot of hope for them, even if they did get in to beat Dallas in the first round. So. I'm ready to move the. I'm ready to turn the page on it. I think Tom Brady's. I think he's done. I think the Buccaneers are done. I, I yeah. I don't think they're going to the playoffs. Still afraid as a Cowboy fan, they have our number. That's the. I really want Carolina to win out, man. I'll tell you, it's gonna get. It's gonna get. It's gonna get scary. That 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 wild card game. Like I told you guys in the chat a couple of days ago, there's two quarterbacks and never discounted. It's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Uh, so you know, we'll see what happens with this Bucks team. They are suspect. I agree with that. Uh, but if they can sneak into the postseason, watch out because Brady always somehow manages to pull things out of his ass. So we'll see what they do. All right, you, Carol, <clears throat> Carol, Carolina is one in a five, one in five away, and they're playing at Buccaneers. Mm. So, all right, last game before we quickly go through our picks for next week, and I'm just curious. We'll do very, if it, very quickly on the college football. They have two major playoff games themselves. Just want to hear quick picks on that. But the Chargers and the Colts, Colts suck, suck, suck. Colts not bring any magic. The Chargers win again. Justin Herbert leads the team to a playoff season, especially after the ugly exit against the Raiders last season. But they pull it off. Daly, at least, I think, earns himself another year. Obviously, especially here, but I understand some takes that they should switch it up as well. But regardless, I just pulled off a Monday night and uh, the Colts just have one more game like this next week. And then uh, obviously get a new coach because Jeff Saturday experiment has been funny, but clearly uh, doesn't know what's going on or what he's doing. The Colts shouldn't be allowed to play football for a season, I think, after what they've done to the NFL. I think they've made an absolute joke of it. Jeff Saturday, hiring Jeff Saturday has ruined the game, in my opinion. And it's, it's a shame. And yeah, um, Staley with the Chargers might be one of those coaches that has a winning record and goes on a little run in the playoffs and still loses his job. I just don't see it working out with them. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm the Chargers, I'm backing up the money truck, bring in Sean Payton. Justin Herbert's the truth. He should be, if you manage it correctly, he should be a top five quarterback for the next decade. So yeah. put the put the assets around him. Like go get the right people, go get the right coaches. Like don't waste that opportunity. Yeah, I completely agree. If I'm the Chargers, I'm being as aggressive as possible to try to convince Sean Payne to come there. Um, you know, Daly has a winning record, but again, if they flame out or 
whatever they look struggles along the way or whatever the case might be, I think they could move on from him, knowing that Payton is is forming his dream team staff, as they're saying right now. Uh, yeah, I'd say just throw as much money as you can to land him because he can help that future, uh, that franchise out uh, for a very long time. Let it go, Colts. Let it go. All right, let's do our picks for week 17 in the NFL. Two weeks to go. After this week, the playoff the playoff brackets are set. But regardless, this is going to be very, very exciting. And it's going to be a great time. So first, Thursday night, tomorrow, or in fact, time show is dropping. It will be Thursday night, the final Thursday night game of the season. We have the Cowboys and the Titans. The Cowboys are opening at minus 12, even as the road team. Um, I think it's fair to say Cowboys win. But uh, be careful on that spread. Derrick Henry, Derek Henry's doubtful. If that's the case, the Dallas Cowboys will win by 21 points. Ooh. Ooh, the Cowboys fan is actually picking the Cowboys. I know. It's a it's a Christmas miracle. It just came a couple days too late. Um, I just cannot envision the Titans keeping this close. I really can't. I mean, Dallas has been struggling on defense, but even their defense can bottle up this anemic offense. So, yeah, Cowboys by two touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going the Cowboys, but you guys know me. I hate touching anything above 10 just because anything can happen in football. So I'm just going to go uh, Cowboys outright. I think just the, the, the spread is a little iffy on my point. I know it's 12, and it probably could happen, but just go the Cowboys. Save better for the Colts are playing the Giants. Crucial game. Can the Giants clinch their first playoff? Playoff? Can they clinch their perverse playoff berth in six seasons? They open at minus six even. And you know what? This is the time, especially with how awful the Colts are looking. It's time for the Giants to celebrate of the playoff berth. No bias aside, this team is definitely clearly better, and uh, they should pull it off easily. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there at the uh, at the stadium. I'm super excited, looking forward to it. It's my first Giants game in a really long time. I've seen tickets, nice. but I haven't gone to the last few games. So I'm going to go there. Nice. I'm going to hammer the spread uh, just because the Colts are even – that place is going to be rocking. Uh, I've been to Giants games where it's been playoffs on the line. That place is always, always, always incredible. I think it's going to be incredible again. I think the Giants can use that energy, and I think they're going to go win. So I'm going to go Giants, and I'm going to say they're going to cover the spread there as well. Colts have a tough defense, but they don't have any offense. So, I mean, you basically, if you score 17, you win this game. And the Giants are more than capable of that. I think they get 17 in the first half. I think Giants run away with this one. Yeah, I agree. I think Giants, clear favorite. I think that Daniel Jones, here's my prop bet, 250 passing yards and two touchdowns. Mm. All right. The Jets are playing the Seahawks. Jets are playing a meaningful game. Doesn't look like doesn't look like at one point they just even deserve it. But regardless, the Jets are opening at minus one and a half against the Seahawks. I just, as I mentioned, the Seahawks losing this one. I think the Jets are gonna win. They'll cover. But next week I'll pick a little differently against them. But Jets are winning this game with Mike White returning. Yeah, I'll take uh, the Jets. Mike White Mike Mike White revenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Same here. Seahawks. No. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. 
Okay. I mean, Seattle is a tough place to play. You know, you can't disrespect that 12th man. They're not a terrible team. So, no, I like I like the Seahawks. Just traveling across the country. No one, no one likes coming up here. Oh, man. If the Jets lose this game, all hell will break loose. I can't wait for the airways for that one. That will be bad. So, Cardinals and the Falcons. Yeah. Falcons are opening at minus three and a half. Let's give it to the Falcons on this one. Give J.J. Watt some love on his penultimate game. Penultimate um, game. For Alex not being here, I'll say it for him. Absolutely unwatchable <laughs> football game if you're not a J.J. Watt fan. If you're a J.J. Watt fan, my personal opinion in this game, I think he's going to have a sack, and I feel like a force fumble. That's that's my prediction in this game. <laughs> also, every sack he gets after uh, for the next two games, I think he gets like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, room for a ton of sacks right now. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with the Falcons here because these are two terrible teams, and there's just no real knowing about who's going to actually out-terrible the other person. You know, you have Trace McSorley as your quarterback. He didn't look so hot this past week at home. I don't like him traveling 2,000 miles east for a 1 o'clock start time as the West Coast team traveling east. It's like the Falcons. Yeah, um, as much as I want to see J.J. Watt dominate the game, just because this Brian thing is just fascinating, I don't know. Uh, uh yeah, I, I think the Falcons are going to win this one. Uh, I think Desmond uh, Ritter finally figures some things out uh, at, at home, and I think he's finally going to get a, a nice proper win. So I'm going to go with the Falcons here. Bears are playing the Lions. Oh, my. They're going out to Detroit. It's minus six points. I think Detroit is going to Detroit. I think the Lions are going to Lions. I'm going to give the Bears – the upset on this one. Ooh. I'm taking the Bears as well. I think the defense is in a complete slide now. I think they've been try- they've been playing well, but I think it's it's get- it's starting to give their support. So I think Justin Fields might have a hundred yards and a touchdown on the run. Uh, I'm going to say the Lions uh, keep things going. Um, I mean, I know they're struggling, but this is a huge game for them. So I'm going to go with the Lions here, uh, knowing that they need uh, desperately need a win here. Hopefully they show up. I think the Lions come out flat, but figure it out in the second half. I am um, thinking a more high-scoring game for this one, kind of like a 27-24 type of a game. Close Lions win. Broncos are playing the Chiefs. Chiefs opening at minus 12 and a half in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs are going to win but we're going to be laughing because the Broncos are going to make a fool's comeback only to fall short. And we're going to see it all over again. But the Chiefs are going to win. And um, maybe with the Bills loss, they can clinch uh, home field advantage. Okay. So we did this last week where we said we all knew we were picking the, the Chargers to beat the Colts. We were trying to see like how much. Uh, so I want to do that again really quickly here. No one's picking the Broncos. Uh-huh. How much do the Chiefs win by? Better question. I'm going to start off. I think the Chiefs win by 19. I think 28 to 3. 28 to 6. Uh, I'm saying they're going to win by 24, even though I know I don't uh, I don't like big spreads and stuff like that. I think the Chiefs are just going to destroy them just for our amusement. So I'm saying they're going to win by 24 points. They're only going to win by 10. going to fall okay. against the All cover. Right. I think Russell Wilson... 
I think Russell Wilson might trip over the 50-yard line on a run. <laughs> I just saw somebody send me a Liberty Bowl clip that the quarterback in open field slipped and fell. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I think it was Oregon State, it looked like. I hope Russell Wilson pulls his Daniel Jones. I really would love to see it. Oh, man, that was a long time ago. So, the Dolphins are playing the Patriots. Cleveland opening at minus three. I think the Dolphins are going to win this, make their final game of the season against the Jets an epic matchup. New England at home, you never know the weather. Um, gritty football team at home. The defense is playing lights out. Um here, fun fact, Devin McCourty needs two more interceptions to tie the all-time Patriots interception record. And I think he might get it of one of them against Teddy Bridgewater this game. I see uh, the Dolphins collapsing um, and the Patriots winning by seven. Um, yeah, as much as I want to see the Jets, I guess, play ourselves alive, right? They need the Patriots to lose. Yeah. Um, or, or Buffalo. Or Buffalo. So they have, they have a shot, but um, yeah, just with this Tua news, um, you know, I love Teddy Bridgewater, but I think the Patriots just take advantage of this situation. I think they're going to walk away with a win here. I really want to take the Dolphins, but I just, um, you know what? I'll take the Dolphins. You know, I'll just talk myself into it here. Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> will find a way. He will find a way. Shouldn't win this game. Find a way to win this game. Dolphins. Saints are playing the Eagles. Eagles are opening a minus six. I think the Saints are going to win and give the Eagles their first losing streak of the season. I think Gardner Minshew will play well, but it'll just be a weird game of weird proportions. I just think the Saints are going to just come out playing a better game. And I just see that. I just, you know, when I really pick these games, specifically when I make my parlays, I try to envision the memes and the posts about like unprobable things happening. And this was, I started this after seeing the Monday night game where ESPN predicted that the Patriots had a 93% chance to win and the bears won. I see something like that happening. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but saints, I think they're going to just pull off an upset. I agree Bounce back. Yeah, I agree with you. I see the Saints uh, winning as well. Um, Lane Johnson's out. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sander, A.J. Brown are questionable with C.J. Gardner-Johnson on injury reserve. That's a lot uh, in the injury report right there. I think Cam Jordan's going to have a field day with your backup right tackle. He's definitely going to be lining up on him. Him and Demario Davis are going to probably tee off on blitzes all day long on that side. So I think it's going to be a rough day for Gardner Minshew. Um, with the loss of Lane Johnson, as we saw in the Cowboy game towards the end with pressure. Um, and I don't know, the Saints team is weird. Like Andy Dalton and their tight end, Jawan Johnson, just like have this connection in the end zone of just scoring tutties. So, and, you know, you never know about Taysom Hill. So I take the Saints by a field goal. Um, I'm going with the Eagles here, so just because Gardner Minshew looked great last week. I think if he plays, he can look great. And they're also playing the Saints, and the Eagles own the Saints' first-round pick. So I think they want a better pick from the Saints, which is why I think they're going to try to beat them down so that they slide up in their first round a little bit more. So I'm going to go with the Eagles here, uh, with Gardner Minshew leading the way. So, fun fact, when the Saints have played outside this year – they have not scored more than 17 points. 
Um, I don't care how bad our defense is. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to handle the Saints offense, and I'm sure we'll be able to put up more than 17 points offensively on the Eagles end. So um, I'm going to go a little bit more, I guess, cocky than usual when it comes to the pick talking about the Eagles here. I think we're going to smack the fuck out of them. I think we're going to win by at least three touchdowns. And I don't think, I think we're going to lock up this number one seed and rightfully rest against the giants next week because God damn, it's been a long season. So next up, the Browns are playing the commanders, Washington opening at minus two which is, I think, too close of a spread. But uh, I'm going to give it to Washington with the return of Carson Wentz and people get overhyped for him in the uh, week fo- in the week following. As I said, Washington needs four teams to lose to clinch a playoff berth. I think um, it's not going to be that easy, but I think uh, people are going to think Carson Wentz is back, but they're just playing the freaking Browns. I'm taking the commanders, but Carson Wentz gets pulled at halftime and Taylor Haneke saves the game for a field goal winning drive. Uh, I'm just going to go Cleveland out right here um, just because I have no faith in Carson Wentz uh, coming back. I think the Browns defense will take advantage, keep things limited. Uh, keep the, it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think, but I think Cleveland is going to end up winning and covering. The Browns haven't even scored 14 points offensively since Deshaun Watson came back as quarterback. Even with Wentz being Wentz, the team's good enough around him that they're going to be able to score more than 14. I I can't imagine the Browns finding a way to win this, Commanders. All right, all right. The Jaguars are playing the Texans. Jaguars are going to Houston. Jacksonville's opening at only minus four and a half. Now, I know historically the Texans have had the Jaguars number, but... They're going to go to 500 after this victory and um, get people really hyped for the next week against Tennessee after that. And hopefully they can secure a division title for the first time since Blake Bortles and company. So Jacksonville is taking this one, obviously. I agree. Jacksonville, but I think Houston puts up a good fight um, just to try to keep the head coach, uh, head coach's job and Lovey Smith. So uh, yeah, Jack wants by a touchdown. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go uh, Jacksonville here covering as well. Uh, I think the Texans, they've fought in every game they have. I think they show some fight here, but I think the Jags are going to overcome that and uh, win. So I have Jags and them covering as well. Texans have won 10 in a row against the Jaguars. Uh, that's <laughs> that's insane. Um, I got 11 in a row. Texans. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Sometimes some one team has the other team's number. San Francisco's going to Vegas this week. San Francisco's opening at minus 10. And they are going to upset Alex Ranelio. He might even call in sick again after this week if uh, San Francisco defeats the Raiders. But um, I think they're going to handle them pretty easily. Agreed there, too. I think they're going to they're gonna handle – they're going to handle four Niners and – that spread is right at my number, so I'm going to say they're going to cover that spread at 10-2. Yeah, I agree. 49ers cover the spread. 49ers cover. Raiders are god-awful. They have no hope. Now, this game is very interesting. Very, very interesting. The Vikings and the Packers. As the Packers trying to sneak into the playoffs, the Vikings really don't have much to play for. 
but still a huge rivalry game and a huge game in Lambeau Field. 425 game of the week on Fox. Um, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. I think Aaron Rodgers could continue his winning streak. It's 425, not 1 p.m. So Kirk Cousins, that plays a factor into this. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think the Packers are going to be able to pull off this victory and they are favorites in this. You know, one point yeah. of clarification really quickly. Um, Vikings double shot at the one seed if the Eagles lose out. And the 49ers are right behind them. So they're probably trying to lock up that two seed. So the 49ers can't leapfrog them. And, you know, they have to go to San Francisco for a round two game. So I think the Vikings have everything to play for. And yes. I think the Packers have been getting fortunate at playing bad teams recently. The Vikings are not a bad team. Vikings are to win. I'm taking the Packers in this game. It's very hard to beat, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers twice in a season in the division, I always feel. So I have the edge on this one. So, uh, yeah, I'm taking Green Bay. I'm going Vikings here. Uh, I guess we'll make it all maybe even. Um, but I'm going Vikings here. Uh, I, you know, came out with a tough win against the Giants. Uh, you know, I think they're fighting for seeding here this week. Uh, so I'm going to take them playing hard against the Packers team. So I have the Vikings in the, the covering the spread there, two and three. In a battle of Los Angeles, the Rams and the Chargers are going at each other. This game was flexed out of the Sunday night matchup. So 425, Chargers are opening a minus six and a half. I think the Chargers are going to roll right through. Justin Herbert's going to have a good game. Um and they're just going to excite some people some more. I think the Baker love is uh, he's getting is just going to uh, dwindle down a little, but he'll play another good game, but not good enough. I think the Chargers will win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer game mm-hmm. than people think, um, just because I just don't have faith in the Chargers' defense. Um, so I have the Chargers winning by a touchdown. <laughs> I'm, I'm going Chargers winning here, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams cover the spread, um, just the way Baker's been playing as well, and this Chargers defense is on and off. Um, Chargers are going to win this one. It's going to be a battle, but I can see the Rams covering as well. I'm just trying to figure out who's actually the home team here, or if they're both yeah. the away team. or I, I don't know how this works. <laughs> um, but truthfully, I am picking the Rams to cover. I think... You know, the Rams have been playing inspired since Baker took over. And the Chargers seem to play down to their competition sometimes. I don't, I don't know what it is, but they they don't really kind of just hammer teams. They seem to, like, play close with everyone. Uh, Chargers by three. The Steelers and the Ravens was flexed into this game. Don't know why. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Um, on, uh, on this New Year's Eve night Steelers and Ravens steal um, Ravens are opening at minus two and a half I'm gonna give mm, even though I was roasting him specifically I think Kenny Pickett will pull off the upset and uh, they'll go down to Baltimore and defeat the Ravens I agree with you I think this might be Kenny Pickett's best game of the season coming up because Mike Tomlin Mike Tomlin is gonna be chewing him off you better not cause me to lose my winning record streak the entire week <laughs> so i expect there'd be a lot of pressure and i think kenny pickett will step up to the challenge well we're recording this on wednesday as of today lamar jackson still isn't practicing so 
if he's not in the game, I can't pick the Ravens in good conscience. I got to give it to Steelers here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the Ravens have squeaked by, but I don't think, I think another week uh, without Lamar is going to bite them here. Uh, and I think Pickett will do just enough. It's going to probably be an ugly game. I think he can do just enough to lead them to a win. So I'm going to go with the Steelers here. This is by far the best Monday night football game. Something oh, that. Hold up. We, uh, we missed one. We didn't do the Panthers Buccaneers. Yeah, no, we didn't. Sorry about that. I skipped that. I missed that one on my list. Sorry. But first, the Panthers and the Buccaneers. As I mentioned, the Buccaneers need to win this game to clinch the division. The Panthers need to win, and they also need to win next week in another Bucks loss to secure their place. A lot is on the line. 1 p.m. This game arguably should have been flexed into Sunday night. It did it for whatever reason. The Bucs are opening at minus three at home. I think Tom Brady will not mess this up. He's going to finally figure it out with these receivers, even if these receivers don't want to figure it out for him. The Bucs are going to win, even if it's their last win of the season. I'm t- so I'm taking Carolina because I have faith in Derrick Henry Jr., Deontay Foreman, carrying this team with Chubba Hubbard, um, in my opinion, the best running back duo of the last few weeks so far. And I think Sam Darnold's playing clean game um, lately. He's not afraid of this Tampa defense. I wouldn't be afraid of this Tampa defense. And, like, they almost lost to the Cardinals. The Panthers are a lot better than the Cardinals. So, uh, you know, I'm seeing Carolina win by touchdown. Um, yeah, I'm going to go there too. Um, just, just because, uh, it's a big game for them. They've been playing tough with their interim head coaches last two weeks. The running has been crisp. Um, and the Bucks team has been suspect. I think they're going to get caught off guard here, which is why I have the Panthers winning this week. I've got to tell you guys, I have no logic for this pick. I do not know why I'm even making it, but I just have a gut feeling that the Buccaneers are going to find a way to have another one of these late game heroic comebacks. Doesn't make any sense. The Panthers are the better team. Their running attack is vicious. Buccaneers have no run defense, but I just get the strong feeling that the Buccaneers are going to find a way to win this one in the end. So I'm going to pick them. Why we hate Tom Brady. Yeah. And as mentioned, Monday night football, great matchup ahead. The Bills are going to Cincinnati. The 12 and 3 Bills going up against the 11 and 4 Bengals. Buffalo only opening at minus one point. Very, very, very intriguing matchup. Maybe we even see these teams play again in the playoffs. But this is going to the Bengals easily. No doubt in my mind, the Bengals are going to defeat the Buffalo Bills. Mark it. I think the Bengals blow out the Bills. I Ooh. think this might be a 14-point, 17-point win. I think Josh Allen might have his worst game of the season. I think he's going to throw three interceptions this game. I think the secondary is that lethal. Um, I expect Von Bell and Jesse Bates to be spying him, running up and intercepting balls very easy. I feel like his mechanics have been sus lately, and I feel like he's – been leading with his eyes and staring down receivers the entire season. And I think we're going to finally see what Josh Allen is, a really good raw talent quarterback that needs more help in a, in a mentorship role from coaching and players around him. So I have the Bengals by, uh, by a large margin. 
I, I don't think it's mm. going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a back and forth, and I hope shootout. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think the Bengals are going to win this one, though. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be probably uh, a game-winning field goal um, to end it. But I'm hoping for a great game. Uh, but just the way the Bengals are playing and at home, that place is going to be rocking uh, with those implications on the line. Um, I hope they meet again in the playoffs. But I think this is going to be uh, the first start of a great duel uh, that we're going to see going forward. I really hope that the NFL does their thing and make sure that the Bills and the Bengals and the Chiefs all play each other every year, you know, going forward from now on, because I think we all deserve that. I didn't think the Bills could go into Kansas City and win, and they did. And I didn't think they'd go into Cincinnati and win, but I'm not going to bet against Josh Allen twice in the the same season. So I'm going to pick the Bills to find a way to win high-scoring shootout type of a game, 31-28 type of a game. Good stuff. And quickly, gentlemen, and my, may, may I ask you in this timely manner, I just want to hear your college football semi, your, the college football semifinals predictions. They're happening this Saturday, 4 p.m. It starts with the TCU Horn Frogs ranked three in the nation against the number two Michigan Wolverines with Michigan opening at minus seven and a half. Give it to the Horn Frogs. They're going to pull off this. Wow. Upset. Wow. Was not expecting Matt to say that. No, uh, I'm a big college football fan. Uh, I'm going Michigan all the way here. They're going to cover. Um, I think just the way that they've, you know, fired their way through the end of this season um, and huge wins left and right. I think they have another huge win. I think they're set uh, to make it to the championship. Um, so I'm going to go Michigan here and they're going to cover. I, you, um, make- you can go first, Scott. I... I just feel like Harbaugh is just going to find a way to choke in this moment. I got TCU as well. Um, but I, on the other hand, though, are we talking about Georgia and Ohio State as well? Are we saving that one? Yeah, yeah, that's going to be the next one. It's going to be the next one. Okay, yeah. No, I, I like TCU here. I think, that's what I'm saying. I, you know, I, Michigan looks suspect in a lot of these games. I mean, they're, they've barely eked out. I know everyone's enamored with how they went to Columbus and beat Ohio State, but they've also just kind of like just played down to a lot of opponents this year and then found a way to kind of like wear them down as the game went on, but I think TCU is too good for that. I like them winning this game. I agree with, uh, I agree with you, uh, Desmond. Um, I, could you make a parlay with a college team winning and an NFL team winning? Probably, right? Yeah, probably. So here's, here's, it would be a combined parlay. Yeah, so here's my combined parlay. The TCU quarterbacks go off Andy Dalton and TCU both win uh, in the same weekend. Talk about a day for a good old TCU Horn Frog. There's my parlay for the week. The better parlay would be both Harbaugh brothers lose by 10 points this week. There's another one. There we go. There we go. And then just finishing it out. Yes. Ohio state is going to play the Ohio state Buckeyes fourth in the nation going against the undefeated number one ranked university of Georgia Bulldogs. I should have done a Jersey swap. I should have put my Georgia jersey on. Yeah. I'm going to give this to the Bulldogs. I think they're going to continue their undefeated ways. I think they're going to get into the national championship once again. And even though Bennett is an okay quarterback, it seems everyone else around him is generational. I think they're going to defeat the Ohio State Buckeyes. By the way, the spread there is Georgia at minus six and a half, which I think they will cover. I have Ohio State winning just on the sheer. I don't really watch that much of college football, but 
Um, I have a feeling I saw something. I saw some Marvin Harrison Jr. highlights, and I think this I want kid's going to go off. I think that kid is going to go off this game. That's my feeling. Win by a touchdown. Every right time up. you want one of these SEC teams to lose in one of these big games, they don't just – not only do they win, they blow out whoever it is you put up against them. Ohio State is a big-name franchise you know, in, in college football – and they're going to feel great, but they're playing Georgia in a home game. They're playing in Atlanta. I, I no, this is going to be a, it's going to be ugly. Like, I mean, like a 24 point beat down ugly. Uh, like Georgia is by far and away the best team in college football this year. It's not close. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm biased here. I'm a Georgia fan. Uh, I think last year their defense was, was arguably one of the best we've ever seen this year. Their defense is incredible. Um, every big game where I have my doubts, that defense has showed up uh, time and time again. And Stenson Bennett is proof that he's one of the best stories in college football um, just with what he can do um, with all that talent around him. Um, so, it, like Desmond said, it's pretty much a glorified home game. I think they're going to go in. Yeah. I was nervous against Ohio State. Don't get me wrong. I think they have all the talent in the world to battle against Georgia and make it a fun game. I just don't think it's going to be. I think Georgia's going to show up, wreak havoc, and I have Georgia winning this one and covering the spread. I think the game could get ugly if Georgia comes out firing like they did uh, a few weeks ago. All right. That wraps that up. Got a little bit of everything. And I appreciate you gentlemen, as always. Have a happy new year. Stay safe out there. And we'll see you in a week as we talk about the final week of the NFL season from there. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Year. Ace. Bravo. Brian, Desmond, and Alex, great job. I appreciate you guys. It was a lot of fun. Can't wait to talk next week. Don't forget to like again, subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdConvoPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we will see you tomorrow. The Timeline Pod. Podcast. The year is 2022, and we are going to reflect and review it and talk about the biggest stories in news, sports, entertainment, and culture, and kick back, relax, have some laughs, and maybe some profound moments as we look back at the year 2022. So we'll see you tomorrow with that. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Let's have a fun week of NFL action coming your way. And I'll see you next week with my guys to talk about it all over again for you. So we will see you next week with another NFL show. We will see you tomorrow with the Timeline Pod. And we hope that you have a wonderful day in between. So with that, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family, and I'll see you real soon. All right, love you all. Peace. Peace.